Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And then, and then it was eerily quiet. And then my mind was kind of like, you know, the head in the fishbowl. But it takes me into the bathroom and says, this is how you brush your teeth. Brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat. But there were two girls, and it was like, you don't have to give us a ride. You can't fill us no. You can't refuse us. He'll let us in his car. The thoughts were all alone in this empty void. You know, the head in the fishbowl. This doesn't look right. The uh, the challenges of being a producer are are many and vast. Uh, like tonight, for instance, I had to scramble and set up a whole extra microphone and an extra line, and that's okay because that means Mr. Luke Skyrider is with us. Yes, yeah, I'm back, <laughs> suckers. Yes, he's here, the mythical creature himself. It's time to get your money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> how, how what? How long has it been? Uh, I don't know, three weeks or something. Oh, dude! <laughs> There's some shows we don't tell you about just because. Yeah, I know. We don't think you'd be interested, and you, we know you're tired. And- you guys suck and just love to exclude me. Tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all because we don't invite you. <laughs> uh, so I send you. Uh, sometimes I'll send you texts. You're like, "What's the topic?" And I'll tell you what it's about. And you're like, "Oh, I'm good. I just want to sleep, bro." <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm gonna go play DDR instead. You do have that strenuous job. Yeah, so, true. 
and it's a full it's it's a full time. You wouldn't think being a fry guy would be so strenuous, <laughs> but you're an, you're an important fry guy, my the friend. The life of the fry guy. <laughs> yeah, I asked my manager today if she could make me like fry supervisor so I could feel important too. Yeah, I get a little name tag that says fry supervisor and it says <laughs> Luke on it. We're senior executive fry cook. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Ooh. I like that. Fry guy's a little too reminiscent of the uh, those little like bouncing le- pom poms with legs that the hamburger had. Oh uh, yeah, that's creepy. Remember the fry guy? <laughs> that's creepy. Every, everyone that made the whole McBurglar <laughs> band or whatever, like <laughs> McBurglar band, <laughs> they they had to have been on acid or something. <laughs> Well, what did you have? You got like, uh, of course, Ronald McDonald, which is creepy anyway, because he's a clown, right? <laughs> and uh, you got Grimace, who I don't even know what Grimace is. He's some kind of large purple thing. And he's a raisin. Hamburglar, <laughs> in which he has the little fry guys. And who else? What else was in there? Captain McCheese, who was a big cheese. Mayor McCheese. Mayor McCheese. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, and, and like even creepier, even creepier, you, you know, like, or the, the listeners know that I'm, I'm into like the treasure hunt and, you know, going to thrift stores and yard sale, flea markets, et cetera, like trying to find valuable old stuff or whatever. And like, I've seen so many of those Ronald McDonald dolls, like still in the box, like the plush ones with this, the spaghetti noodle hair and stuff. Uh-huh. And on the box, the, the creepiest thing about it too, it says, pull my grimace. It's like one of the bulletins on the back on the back of the box, and I'm, we're just like scratching our head, like, "What's a grimace? How do you pull it?" <laughs> it just makes it even creepier, dude. Pull my grimace! Pull my grimace! <laughs> Have you seen that band that is? Uh, they're called Mac Sabbath. And I guess they like a Black Sabbath cover band, but they're all dressed up like McDonald's characters. No. God, no. I, I watched it's, them. it's horrifying. Yeah. It really is. I watched some live footage, and they play it really terribly, too. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. well, I mean, what I, do you expect? Well, I was hoping that it would at least be like good covers, you know, that were spot on. <laughs> what did they do? It was all just Black Sabbath covers? Because yeah. I never actually listened yeah. to them. I think they play Nashville sometimes. Yeah, they we'll have do. to go check them out. <laughs> they do. They were, were like, like he goes out with full clown, like Ronald McDonald makeup, and he's like, "We're Mac Sabbath." <laughs> <laughs> no, who I really want to see is Les Zeppelin. Oh, they're, oh, yeah. they're really good. <laughs> they are. I saw them at um, Mercy Lounge. Do they make out and stuff like before their set? Not that I saw. No. Oh. Are you are you disappointed? Yeah, bummer. Or like they're, during their set. No, I'm not even a Led Zeppelin fan, really. I just, <laughs> you know, since they were lesbians. But anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the? Uh, speaking of clowns, have you seen the new trailer for it? Yes. What do you think? Um, it looks like they just kind of modernized the, the yeah. you know, the uh, um. I mean, the shots and everything are all real similar. Like, I saw a side-by-side comparison uh-huh. of the new trailer versus, like, those scenes from the old one, and they're really similar. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm hoping that the ending is different. <laughs> that'll yeah, make it the ending while. in the old one was kind of weird, it right? It was, which is different than the book, I believe. The big spider. Yeah. Yeah, the book, I don't get, I don't remember quite what happens in the I book. I don't either, but I, I'm pretty sure it's different than what the, the old movie was. Like, so. it gets kind of metaphysical and really Lovecraftian at the end of the book. From what I remember. Yeah. But like, what'd you think of the clown? 
the new Pennywise. Because you're the um, one I come to because you're the one that yeah, I'm, I'm the would clown be expert. frightened right. by these things. Well, he was a clown, therefore frightening. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pennywise. I, I, I remember the first one. Um, I'm just wondering in this one whether they're going to... Are they supposed to like go back to the present day? And like it's the eighties, are they just staying with the kids in this one? It looks like, like how's it's it supposed just, to work? Looked like it's just a, a full remake with I mean it's just the kids, but in a modern time. Yeah. I because I thought, you know, in the book, like it goes back and forth between when they're adults to when they're kids. It's like that thirty year difference. And in in the original miniseries, it's that way too. Really? I don't remember that. So I wonder if they're going to to you to do that because what I saw in the in the in the trailer was just like them as kids, right? Like the original movie. And what I had heard was they're supposed to take place. It's supposed to take place like as adults now, but like it's supposed to be the eighties instead of the eighties and fifties, as it is in the book. Gotcha. So, because like Stranger Things, you know, was a little you know was a big like kind of like homage to Stephen King. You know, I think one of the kids in Stranger Things is in it. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure. So, um, <clears throat> I know we uh, trying to kind of get away from the whole politics stuff, but I'm really kind of curious you guys' thoughts on what happened this week because this this has been like a real uh, crazy eventful week. Just passed. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically the bombing, the, you know, Trump bombing Syrian government. Well, you know, we were talking about it a little bit before before the show. And, you know, Alyssa made some good points. So a lot of people are talking about how, you know, like calling false flag on it. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's what it is. I think that this is an a, event that genuinely happened. But I think that um, Trump took the opportunity and to mm-hmm. just use it to go in and, you mm-hmm. know, A, tried to abolish his ties with Russia at the same time as just using his reason to get in there. And, I mean, um, if you look at who profits and who benefits from all of this, like, Assad is not, by gassing his own people and incurring what he knew would happen, the wrath of America, like, he's, he has nothing to gain from it. Unless you paint him as someone who's just completely psychotic and has no idea what's going on, which I doubt. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just seems like more like a, the, a, a terrorist faction would do this to set us off and try to get us to poke Russia and stir things up. And mm-hmm. Well, you like the Russians are saying that what they think happened was... Uh, and first of all, they're calling for like... An investigation before anybody does anything, which we should have probably who, done. Right, yeah. find out who it is and who was involved. But they're saying that, and I happen to agree with this, that there was probably a depot there in that town, and probably the rebels were working on on some kind of gas. And when the government bombed the town, Assad's government bombed the town, uh, they hit the place and it got out. Ah. And 
got released into the air and then everybody got sick and people died. I mean, pretty horrifying images. Like you oh, saw yeah. that one of the, uh, the, the guy holding his two like twin babies that were dead and, and just, you know, horrible. So, I mean, it's, it's a horrible thing. And that war has been, like I've said many times before, it's been horrible for the last six years. Luke, what do you think before I go on? Uh, man, I'll, been all I following can, in it. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Uh, the only thing I could say is, um, uh, I agree with his decision, provided it was a real attack and not like what Rob's saying, false flag. I mean, I agree. You know, we, um, the time before we said, you know, don't, don't do that again. You know, don't, don't, uh, attack your own people or whatever. We're going to have to step in and interfere and they did it again. So suffer the consequence. Well, the problem with that is. In 2013, when the last gas attack happened, and that was blamed on the Syrian government. You know, two things happened. You had an investigation into it, and also the Russians got Assad to store his chemical weapons and give them up. And that was a big news. Like, through the UN, they did that. And then there were UN investigators that went in and said that it wasn't the Assad government that did it, it was the rebels. Right, and this time, the same thing happened again, but there was no investigation. We just instantly went to yeah. drastic measures. Shoot 59 cruise missiles in there. And we we warned the Russians, we told them an, an hour ahead of time, which has sparked a lot of conspiracy theories in that way, too, about how this is like a agreement between Putin and Trump to make Trump look good to make it look like we're actually at loggerheads with the Russians when we really aren't. But I've been hearing today and I haven't seen any like real trustworthy news sources report this, but like Iran and Russia have already said, you know, don't attack Syria, the Syrian government forces or there's going to be consequences. So, I mean, this is, like, potentially really serious stuff. Like, this could really be something that could really escalate. And like I've said, well, the Syrian civil war has been just this black hole that has sucked all these countries in, and it could really spark off a major conflict. You think it's true that we, in, in the uh, tar- in the targeted, or what do you call it, contained bombing, you know, that we actually did kill the ISIS uh, recruitment leader? I mean, I saw headlines for that. Do you think you think that's true? Or were you talking about the one that just happened? Yeah. That wasn't against ISIS. Well that I, was against the uh the Syrian government. I know, but uh, um ISIS saying, is fighting, by the way. They were saying that uh like killed some kind of ISIS recruiter in the attack, like the the one for US. Uh, like uh, some some big one that was recruiting people from the US. Oh, I have no idea. I haven't heard about this. I really don't know. Might just be fake news. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's, there's there's things happening over there all the time. Um, I mean, the whole thing is so complicated, right? I mean, we talked about this before. You got ISIS. You got the Syrian government under Assad. You've got the supposed non-religious opposition forces. 
You've got Al Nusra, which is basically an offshoot of Al Qaeda that doesn't like ISIS. And then you got the Kurds in the north. And then you got the Turks doing whatever they're doing. And I, I don't know. I have to wonder here if there may be some kind of a deal going on with the Russians because Michael Flynn, the uh, former national security advisor now, was, you know, he he retired. He left that post because he had been speaking to the Russian ambassador. Well, I mean, what if there was some kind of deal that was made where we would be allowed to topple Assad? And then maybe we'd both go after ISIS and maybe leave Russia freehand the Ukraine. But I don't know. I mean, as far as I can tell at the moment, it looks like we're going after the Assad government that Russia supports. And that's that's dangerous, in my opinion. This is exactly what I thought Trump wouldn't do. Right. <laughs> You're saying this is the one thing that you mm-hmm. liked about him in mm-hmm. the past was his wanting to improve foreign relations. But is this somehow a way to, is this somehow a way to do that and to say like, Hey, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going to be pushed around. I, I don't know, but just shooting those missiles off like that without any kind of confirmation on what exactly happened. Well, it amazes me how many people are like, oh, he didn't even get congressional approval. Like, well, we haven't needed that for 16 years. We haven't needed that since right. 9-11. Right. Like, and that's, like, that seems like it's a big news to people. Right. Yeah, it's, we gave yeah, that that's right up nothing a long different. time ago. Right. Congress hasn't actually declared war since 1941. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Since World War II. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like there's some kind of miss, missing uh, information that, that we're all lacking here. Right. And, and the mix it on the confusion of everything that's going on. And you got Nikki Haley at the UN. She's the UN ambassador, and she's saying, you know, there's going to be more strikes against Assad, and then the Russians are saying, no, you can't do that. You know, we're going to support him. But yet, you know, we still gave the Russians time to get out, to get the hell out of Dodge, and... Syrian government forces to get the hell out of Dodge before they got bombed. And there was like six people that got killed in the, so, so far I've heard six, I've heard nine, you know, I've heard a few different, but it was definitely in the single digits of people that got killed. But still though, you know, it's, the tragedy is a tragedy, no matter what. And then not to mention all the other things that happened last week. Well, look what happened today. I mean, you know, ISIS blew up a church in uh, Egypt, a Coptic church. They were having a Palm Sunday service. Bombed it, blew it up, taking full credit for it. The same day that um, the the Trump sent his missiles over to Syria, there was that uh, truck bomb in... Uh, the guy that ran people over with a truck in Stockholm, in Sweden, it was the same thing that the guy did in London. And before that, like earlier in the week, he had the uh, bombing in the St. Petersburg subway system. Which, you didn't hear very much vocal support about that, did you? 
saying, oh, we're, we're all Russia now, even though there was like 15, 20 people that died in that. You didn't see anybody changing their <laughs> Facebook profile to the Russian flag, even, even though people died. Yeah. Well, it just got covered up because so many things happened. So are these things connected? Was that connected? And then... On the ground there in Syria where this rebel group is basically losing and Assad's making uh, gains against them, all of a sudden there's, I suppose, a chemical attack when he had absolutely no reason to do do anything like that. It would hurt him more than it would help him. And it definitely has because now the U.S. is saying we want him out. I just want to know. Where Trump, how where Trump changed his mind? You can't tell me it's because he didn't. You know, it's because those little babies, those babies that he saw that being killed. I, did somebody find the piss tape? <laughs> Honestly, man. I mean, this shit's scary, bro. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, worst case scenario, we get into some kind of, uh, the best case scenario is we get into some kind of uh, localized war with Russia. And the worst case scenario is like thermonuclear war. So I don't really know, you know, where it goes from there. I mean, and then North Korea sending out the the uh, there's a carrier task force group going out to North Korea, and like the so Russians were saying that North Korea has the ability to bomb the United States, and so Trump is sending this carrier task force to do something about North Korea. Oh, jeez! It's like what's about to happen? I don't care. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> There's my mentality. <laughs> I I don't know, man. Dude, you're going a dark direction with this. I just Where do you go? We we all need to uh occupy ourselves with distractions and just like not even worry about it and just go back to sleep. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> just start sleeping. <laughs> Well, happiness. So, anything else that concerns you guys? I grilled some nice burgers for dinner. Yes, you did. Yes, you <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> Dude, they look fire. <laughs> those were those were good, man. Thank you. Those really were good. What it and gluten free friggin' free, noodles, rice yeah. noodles, brown rice, organic, organic gluten free brown rice, mm-hmm. pasta, mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, next week we might be eating lizard, so <laughs> eat while you can. <laughs> Just be grilling up whatever I catch in the backyard. Lizard or cat. <laughs> Got a lot of squirrels around here. They'll go first. Yeah, it's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, well, uh, in case apocalypse doesn't happen, Rob, tell everybody about our Patreon and how they can find it and sign up for it. Yeah, well, we've got a lot of new <laughs> Patreon members, first of we would like to thank you all. Um, and anyone else that wants to, to join up, it's 
patreon.com slash conspiranormal. There's different tiers you can subscribe to. Um, you know, you can get the our uh, monthly special bonus episodes. There's uh, all the way up to like free wallpapers, uh, conspiranormal t-shirt, whatever you feel like contributing. There's There's different tiers there. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. We're going to start doing like monthly Skype calls with all of you guys. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the highest tier, if you donate a hundred or more, you get a personal date with Adam. <laughs> no, you get a personal date with Luke. <laughs> no, no, Adam. How about your pick? <laughs> personal date with hot girls only. Okay, you can't go on a date with nope, me. You can't and say take that it. anyone. It has to be you. That's true. I'm the only one that's single here, right? And, and ladies, he has a beard that looks magnificent. Now. It is looking glorious. <laughs> Do I look like a bard? Is it like <laughs> a little bit? I don't. I don't think I get. Do you think I get to to Randall Carlson status with the with the beard in a few years? In a few years, dude. Yeah. I feel like you need a cup of bourbon, just like sitting on a stool reading poetry right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Luke. On that note, guys, uh, we do have Thad McCracken coming back on. We're going to talk about his book, Transmissions from Outside of Time. And uh, as always with that, we think it'll be a we'll think it'll be a roller coaster ride. So oh, it'll be enlightening as hell, I'm sure. So get ready, guys, for some enlightenment and some gongitating. And we'll be right back on Conspirate Orbal. What if I were to tell you that the forms are not the facts? And what if I were to ask you the shape of water? Water is in a state of constant flow and flux, a paradox of weakness and strength. My name is Aaron David, and I am host of Charm the Water, a weekly podcast centering on the occult and mysticism based in Asheville, North Carolina. You can find us at charmthewater.com or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite pod feeder. Come holler. All right, guys, we're back on Conspiracy Normal, and we have the guest on the line. And this is a guest that I think may have been one of the more controversial guests that we've had. Uh, we had him back on in, I want to say, October of 2014, talking about his first book, Galactic Dialogues. And then we had him on to talk about some of his viewpoint on Pizzagate. And I got so many emails and complaints about that one. It wasn't even funny. Oh, geez, really? <laughs> here's, here's, here's the thing. It's like I even posted that on my Facebook page. And I even said, like, no, I'm not talking about this anymore. Like, because already by that point that I'm on the show, I was so sick of discussing it with, like, fans in my writing. Because every yeah. time I posted something, it would just go – I mean, people really, really wanted to believe in Pizzagate. And they, they really didn't like the – you know, the there's really not much evidence there. Not only that, you're you're accusing <laughs> innocent people of pedophilia and trying to intentionally ruin their businesses, which of course Alex Jones has now apologized for, uh, only because there was a lawsuit, by the way. And I just like, you know, when he did apologize to that about that, I was like, I looked at the fine print, and I'm like, no, he didn't actually feel bad about, you know, a bunch of people getting harassed uh and accused of being pedophiles publicly 
innocent businesses getting harassed and, you know, uh, on, and, and intentional propaganda campaigns against them. Like, I, I don't care about, you know, damaging innocent people, but, you know, I'm going to apologize because of a lawsuit. So, um, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm already seen, I'm already going to see the emails come in yes, and like, already, like, I, like the first 30 seconds, just as, just I, as soon as we mentioned Pizzagate, that's when the email, it, yeah. it's when the emails are coming. I didn't know that about Alex Jones though, that he, yeah, no, he, he I know just, that he said that he retracted it, but I didn't know that he, he was getting sued. That's why he, he did it. He apologized to James Alphanis, the owner of Comet Ping Pong. But yeah, if you look at the fine print, James Alphanis was threatening with a lawsuit, which is why he publicly apologized. It wasn't because he felt bad, which is just, and that's just who Alex Jones is. That's so crazy. did Alphanis drop the lawsuit? I think so. I mean, I'm not sure if there was really much of a lawsuit there or not. I think he just was sort of like angling for an apology, which he got. So I, I mean, as far as uh, I can tell. Then again, see. this is just. This is based on what information? Probably some random crap I read online. So you know, that, that was at least something I read that was saying that that was right. the reason. Right. Right. So, but yes, I agree. The how controversial that was was mind boggling to me. Uh, and yeah, and like I said, I posted this and I didn't even chat about it. Like I just posted, I didn't even said, like I'm not even talking about this because I'm so sick of talking about it at this point. Well. And then some- Somebody else posted something on my page and like I went in like four days later, there were still people arguing on it. Like I hadn't even touched the conversation and I'm like, hey, what's going on my Facebook page? Oh, people are still arguing about this thing. It was like a cracked piece talking about how dumb Pizzagate is and somebody posted that on my page and that discussion continued for nearly a week. (laughs) And this is like a month after I'd intentionally stopped talking. So yes, the controversy there. Yeah. My mind is blown by it. Okay. Well, 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 I, I I have my own thoughts about it, but like, yeah, I'm sick of talking about it too. And then also I I just got, I'm going to say at least about three or four emails. It wasn't like a torrent or anything, Yeah, but it was just kind of like, why didn't you challenge him? Uh, This kind of stuff. Well, because like we don't, challenge our guests so that you know we're not sitting we're not there to tell them yeah. they're wrong we're here to listen to them and and that <laughs> didn't and you had a different viewpoint than anybody else that i had on the show about it and a, a i, I that, appreciate that, the viewpoint but, just to establish by the way alex jones did in fact apologize for this at this point so uh, my viewpoint a tad <laughs> legit maybe all these people that were a tad mad at what i was saying um i think i was saying something that was fairly accurate now i do want to say I hadn't when I like wrote the piece that I wrote about Pizzagate. Um, I didn't see. I it was all about comic ping pong, the stuff that I saw, and sure. that was my main point. Is that there was nothing involving comic ping pong. Uh, for uh, afterwards, I looked at some other things, and it did seem like there was some coded emails going on in Podesta that had nothing to do with comic ping pong whatsoever. And I will confess, yes, I saw some emails where coded language was being used. I I I think pretending to understand exactly what that coded language means is, I don't know. You know, I'm like, I don't think you can really connect the dots and saying, oh, hey, there's a co- there's some coded language in a couple emails. And then you can furthermore say, well, that means child sex trafficking. I think that could mean drugs or regular prostitution or a lot of other, I mean, who knows? It could be like a code for art, you know, I don't know. But I will say after I looked at that, there was some emails, but that, I mean, I was entire, I think that I was pretty much justified and 100% right that there was really no connection to comic ping pong. And all of the emails that involved comic ping pong involved actual pizza that was pretty obvious and there was just the culture of people being artists being harassed for the kind of art they they like is just we're getting into some witch hunt stuff that really as an artist really bothered me at my core which is part of the reason i was i was writing about it in the first well place. you know that we talked about it on the last so, show and i don't want to belabor yeah, this yeah, point too yeah, much exactly Let's but, say, I, we, I agree. we talked about it on the last show about this uh girl that came on dr phil have you mm-hmm. heard about this 
no. It was this girl that came on Dr. Phil calling herself Kendall and said that she had been sex trafficked, that she was sold by her parents at like the age of one or two. And it was uh, Luke's girlfriend that actually keyed me into this, uh, that, that this girl had got on this show. And she, yeah. she said that she had been pregnant, like maybe a bunch of times in her life, like three times a year or just something ridiculous like that. And like the babies had been given to the sex traffickers and it was very reminiscent of like the alien abduction stuff and the uh, satanic ritual abuse stuff. And so like now, you know, you're getting this whole thing where, yeah, there, there is a, I, I, I definitely see the witch hunt mentality aspect to this. Well, yeah. And, and you're talking about it. Um, yeah, I agree. And that's, you know, I had so many discussions about this stuff and, uh, this is what I had to point out. Like when you make the argument, but sex trafficking does happen, that's not, that's like saying, well, murders happen. So Adam, I guess you're a murderer. I mean, Hey, I just proved you're a murderer. And that's what people didn't get around the comic ping pong. It's like, okay, I, I don't deny that sex trafficking has happened. It happens all the time. I mean, this is like why Craigslist took down their sex, uh, their sex ads, you know, years right, ago, because it's, right. and this is, ev- this is everywhere though. And what annoys me is this idea that it's just elites doing it. And, and then somehow it's just the Holly cause it fits this narrative that I think, you know, conspiracy theory type people want to fit. And it's mainly Christian propaganda. Let's face it. The evil occult and the evil elites in Hollywood, you know, just kind of playing off people's misery. And my point is this stuff happens <laughs> everywhere in every community that you go to, there is sex trafficking going on. And it's sad. It's like, this problem is a lot worse than you're acknowledging. It's like, this goes on everywhere. It's not just elites. And weirdly enough, yes, I think some elites are even involved with this stuff, but I, I've seen no evidence that elites are involved in it in a any higher degree than anyone else. You know, it's just like, if elites are involved with it, it's just like, well, so is every other subset of the population, essentially. So is there any evidence that the few, say, Hollywood elites or famous people, essentially, when we're talking about elites, are involved at even any higher rate than the Catholic Church or, you know, uh, or just any other segment of the population? Because this is so widespread. And I even have a cousin on my wife's side who's uh, uh, he's a hardcore evangelical Christian who's, you know, like anti-gay and anti-abortion and stuff like that. But he what he does, I mean, he's kind of from a wealthy kid from a wealthy family and he he runs us. Uh, charity rescuing women from sex trafficking, you know, and right. he has never, he, he has never told me once that this involved like elite people like this happens. It's so much. And so that was another thing that frustrated me about this scandal. It's like, Oh, but what about the kids? And like, well, you, I get it. Yes. Sex trafficking happens. It even happens among elites. I would never even argue these things, but at the same time, it's like, you're just accusing innocent people. And not only that, you're accusing them of witchcraft because of the art that they're making, which is even weirder. And, and there was such a clear political motive for what was going on with that too. So it, it, it annoys me. And I've had so many of these discussions. It's like, yeah, I mean, my problem is you don't really care about the kids. It, like why, if you really care about sex trafficking, why not see how it's going on in your community and trying to stop it? Because it's there. You yeah, don't have to look I, 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 I you heard don't have to look Washington, DC. You know, it's there. Like I, it's, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. I, I heard a Christian podcaster even say, well, like he was kind of when it was first getting started, and and he was getting a little frustrated because he was saying, well, now everybody's focused on this, and he said, you know, since you guys are all focused on this PizzaGate thing. Exactly. He said there are real things going on. There are real groups because he said he had yeah. he had somebody that was uh, that 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 had a ministry that worked with the people that had been trafficked and was trying to prevent sex trafficking in, in their community. And he said, like, you know, it was like tumbleweeds blowing through when people on downloads. But once the PizzaGate yeah. stuff happened, oh, it exactly. was like yeah. it was it was like it just blew up. So he said, you know, if you're really interested in helping 
throw these people some money or try to get active in your community. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely you know, there's I think there's a frustration there too among among a lot of Christian groups as well. Weirdly, I talk about synchronicity a lot too, and I think it was actually before all this broke. And uh, back in December, I was on a. I had went to jury duty for the second time in my life, and I almost got a case. And what did the case involve? Um, sex trafficking out in the Seattle suburbs. So, th- yeah. I mean, this, this is my point. It's like this is going on all over the place. And yes, I do think some elites are involved with it, but like it's a really widespread problem that affects every subset. Saying it's occultists that are involved in it, and weirdly enough, there even was an occult sex trafficking ring busted in the UK back. I don't know. I think five or six years ago, uh, it involved a lot of people that was in the chaos magic scene. And 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 even then, though, it's just like yeah, but this is. One, nobody cared, even though there was actually – this is like the holy grail for like Illuminati conspiracy theorists. is like this uh, you know, uh, occult Crowley-themed you know, sex trafficking ring that was operating in the UK. But nobody really – conspiracy theorists really cared because it wasn't the elites. You know? There were yeah. just some you know, backwater dudes in like some small town in Scotland. You know? And so nobody really gave a crap because – Some, oh, well, some you know, creepy people and yeah. living in some like rundown shack. And that's like – but the thing is like that's not sensational enough. Exactly. That's, exactly. Not, that's not. That's not sexy enough. Okay. It's. It, it, it was like a Hollywood story, and that's why. Like, P- yeah. Pizza Gate was. I even said this. I think in a follow up piece because yeah, I didn't want to write about this again. And I think I wrote at least one more piece about it because I just couldn't believe the reaction that had gotten to it. And that's exactly what I said. It's like this is. You know, as somebody who has been practicing, you know, magic for years now, it's just like, you know, this is not what you think it is. Like, it, it, it was a piece just like it, it, explaining that. Yeah, this. It's so it's so much more widespread and and you this is a Hollywood version essentially like this is what if it was a bad Hollywood writer who was writing for CSI like that it like CSI might you know Washington DC if they had that that's like the, the, the occult plot line he would come up with is that a politician is involved you know it's like eyes wide shut crap but that's it it's Hollywood story man <laughs> like that's why it's so sensational it's like that wasn't real like that wasn't they weren't running a sex trafficking ring out of a pizza shop where all these alternative bands were all you know involved in this massive cover up and you know it's like no that 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 wasn't and, and and still maybe there is I'm sure there is sex trafficking going on in Washington D.C. I, I, I seeing as you know the rates for uh, you know uh, male prostitutes absolutely spike like when there's a Republican convention in Cleveland like yeah I, I bet that this <laughs> like that's just true <laughs> these are just true like I guarantee there is but like I'm sorry it wasn't it didn't involve comet ping pong and they weren't satanic there was no evidence linking any of this stuff to the occult so it was just that entire narrative was just just fiction and you're right it would make a great Hollywood show which is why people liked it so much people right. wanted people wanted it to be true that's what I found so weird is people so wanted that to be true uh, they so did I'm, I'm sure ancient aliens will find a link and they'll you know, <laughs> exactly it'll be, it'll be a whole big thing on uh, well, history channel Georgia exactly right. will be like be like Pizzagate was I'm not saying it was aliens but it was aliens <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly why ancient aliens make so much money in the actual UFO uh-huh. stuff. You know, nobody likes the answer. Like something weirds going on, but nobody really knows what it is, and it seems to have to do with like spirituality more than aliens. You know, nobody really likes that answer. They like the it's aliens, and they were here. They like specifics. You know, they don't like the ambiguity and the, right. the strangeness. So, uh, uh, UFO stuff it falls into the same sort of trap. You know, people fall into these really bizarre sensational stories, which I find weird because <laughs> when you read the details of UFO stories, they're so weird and sensational. Like I just read like Whitley Strieber's book with a, um, 
uh, Jeffrey Cripple, like, uh, I don't know, like a year ago. And supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. And I had forgotten like how utterly insane Whitley Strieber's sex magic stories are like his, his stories of these alien. I'd read this all stuff like a decade ago and you read this stuff again. It's like, these are, he has weirder, you know, sex magic stories than any other, you know, magician I've ever read or any, you know, anybody that's into this spirituality, you know, and, and this stuff is really weird. So, but you're right. It's the, it points to this ambiguous kind of, you know, spiritual dimension rather than, uh, rather than the narrative of, yes, there are UFOs that, you know, are trying to take us over and we know, and, you know, so yeah, people, people don't like it as much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, the, it's the reptilians, man. It's all the yeah, reptilians. Exactly. The reptilians so sure. Thad, let's, mm-hmm. it's been a while since we yeah. had you to talk about your stuff and your material. Indeed. Uh, indeed into 2014 was the last time i think rob had just joined us at that point yes nice. I, actually i i missed that show because it was like <clears throat> Did you? i was sort of in, yeah i was sort of off and on at that point i was just sort of helping you out still yeah that was that was back in the day man yeah it's that been was, a while man. it was like episode 64 if if uh memory serves or maybe it was something a little later but let's talk about you know let's give like a, a recap of what you experienced to get to yeah. the point where you where you where you wrote this new book. Okay, yeah. So, um just to give a bit of a recap, uh so let me sum it up as yeah, as quickly as I can. First of all, I had started experimenting with astral projection when I was 18 years old and I got into that because of psychedelic drugs. Like I, my experiences that I had with psychedelic drugs, like just immediately turned me into a person that was like reading all kinds of stuff about remote viewing and aliens and then, you know, shamanism and the occult. And I, and I, it sort of changed my personality because what I experienced was so weird. I went was from somebody who had kind of just rejected Christianity to somebody that then was like, this is my thing. You know, I, this is, I was basically reading as much as I can and trying these, uh, you know, things to, uh, these alternative spiritual practice try and explain to me, you know, why there's, you know, transdimensional aliens in my head when I take psychedelic drugs, you know, and I even got a degree in psychology, you know, trying to learn this stuff. So after dealing with astral projection for years, um, and having these utterly bizarre experiences, since it so went against my Christian materialistic upbringing, uh, you know, I just refused to accept it. And then at a point where I was really low in my life, some sort of spirit entity like showed up in my room and sort of clapped its hands and, and awoken me to, uh, to the idea that I should be pursuing, you know, trying to be a magician or a sorcerer or a mystic or, or whatever you want to call it. And started pointing out to me, it's like, look, you have these abilities, you know, you can use them to your advantage. You don't have to, uh, you know, these are not, you're like ashamed of this stuff because it doesn't fit in your culture and you could really use this to better your life. You know, you should be proud of the fact that you have these kind of talents and abilities. And so my life completely kind of turned around. You know, I went from being like the lowest point in my life to instantly getting a way better job, like meeting, uh, uh the woman who ended up being my wife. Um, and, and, and so that's my first book is about that. And of course there's a lot of other weird, uh, galactic dialogue, occult initiations. You know, there's a lot of other weird experiences like me inducing, uh, an ancient, uh, God in, uh, in my wife during a sex magic, uh, transmission, which uh, document in her book. So it's this thing of, you know, it's like, is this just in my head? Because all of a sudden she's telling me things, which she wrote this section of her book and she had this experience. So it's blurring the line. And so leading up to this book, uh, in my last book, I realized that in the occult, there's this um, practice of uh, knowledge and conversation with your holy guardian angel. You know, this, according to magicians like Abramelin, where is this is what you're trying to attain. And around uh, 2010 or so, I had sort of realized that I had attained this. Like I had all of a sudden, like I was so- suddenly channeling 
talking and having a dialogue uh, with kind of my what what people refer to, refer to as you know this is I think what people refer to aliens as in all honesty I can call it your holy guardian alien and at one particular experience where it showed up and it projected a vision of the holy trinity into my mind and showed me how uh, there's the higher part of yourself which you want to call your holy guardian a- uh, angel or your just guardian entities exist outside of the time stream and that we exist inside of the time stream so there that'd be sort of the father or mother and then you inside the time stream would be kind of the son or daughter and then the holy spirit what that represents is the interconnectedness of consciousness that on this level they're looking at time as a singular object um and as a singular object it's all connected by this force that we refer to as the holy spirit and again i, I grew up a christian I, we said uh, uh i i said you know the the, the lord's prayer and you're, you reference the holy trinity every time i went to church and this entity was sort of explaining like you know here's a detailed explanation of what that actually means and uh and that gets even weirder because uh Graham Hancock included me in a book called The Divine Spark, and I talk a lot about synchronicity, and there's another uh, article in that very book, that compilation, that is about how this concept of the Holy Trinity exists in every tradition, uh, basically, that we've been able to find. Every spiritual tradition has this concept. So it, again, was a little more credence to this uh, vision that I had. And so then after that, after I realized, it probably had been going on for a while, where I realized that I'd initiated this knowledge and conversation with my holy guardian angel um, that I just started documenting it. And it was also right around the time where disinfo.com uh, picked up my writing. And so people were starting to friend me on that because of that. So I started keeping a log of these communications that I was having, you know, uh, it was kind of when I started becoming more of a spirit medium. And what's super compelling about this book is that it's one thing to say, um, it, this is crazy. It's all in your head. But when I started documenting this stuff and I, as you would see in my new book, transmissions from out of time, that a lot of it ended up checking out in reality. In fact, uh, one example of that is uh, I think the third time I actually posted one of these visions online, it was about my uncle and him being in a, this guy, my uncle, who I don't really talk to very much at all and him being in a dire headspace. And a year later, later I found out that he had actually OD'd on nitrous oxide. And oh. so I have, so I, yeah, exactly. And something I didn't even know was possible. And so he ended up going to rehab. He nearly died. And so like the first third time that I post something online, it t- turns out that, you know, I was actually, that wasn't just random. Like, and it's like a very specific thing. Like I'm sensed that something is off with the mental state of this very specific uncle who I haven't talked to in years. And sure enough, a year later, I find out that I was hundred percent right about that. And there's three or four examples. So this book is kind of a, a year in the life. And it also traces uh, some of the writing I was doing for disinfo back then. So it's kind of like, a, a year in the life in 2013 and it's kind of about how you know um how inner and outer states of consciousness are related and it's and it's maybe more about precognitive dreaming and the potentiality of that uh than anything else uh yeah <laughs> so why did you call 2013 in the book the year of the witch um that was a weird thing um so i you know this is a story i've never really told on a podcast this is going to come out in a further book so the 2012 thing i i was always you know i my position in this has always been uh, that I never thought any kind of apocalypse or anything was going to happen. But because of the Mayans, I, I sort of thought potentially that maybe, you know, I wasn't just going to discount being into mysticism. I wasn't going to discount the fact that possibly Mayan shamans were onto something with this. And of course, uh, if you look at the world is being made of linguistics and people in the counterculture because of Daniel Pinchback and Terrence McKenna and Grant Morrison had kind of embedded this 2012 thing into the into the um into the counterculture. So 
I um that year I did probably my first acid ritual where I took LSD and and you know I've tripped recreationally a bunch of times and even sort of recreationally but I like set aside a day and I was like I'm going to do a ritual to basically try and get my I was more working on music then and my music and my writing out to kind of a wider audience and and so I did it and it was weirdly successful and well and there are a couple of weird things at one point that I had a pretty profound vision during this that I was a monkey and it was like it was, I've seen this the, the perspective from the spirit world and they were looking at me and I was just like this monkey like throwing my arms up and they were like what else do I have to do you know <laughs> like I've been making records you know it's like I got books like what else do I have to do like to like get this and so that it was a very weird <laughs> not only that but during this per, during here's where it gets stranger during this ritual that I did I also realized like during the middle of the ritual I was like oh shit this is going to do something spiritually. Like I'm doing, I'm like, act, I'm activating something. And I knew it. I was like, I am activating something that's going to be very weird. Like I realized like what I'm doing is working and it's going to activate something that, and you know, and I almost like wasn't prepared for that. Like you don't even expect this kind of thing to actually work, but I could feel it. It was like, this is something I just activated something that I don't even know if I'm even prepared for. Um, so not long after that, and I, I did this in, I don't know, February or March. I wish I would have written it down back in, uh, back in 2012. So I did this ritual, and, um, uh, and, and about a week later, as I'm meditating or kind of before I go to bed, uh, this, uh, kind of black mist entity showed up and tried to pull me out of my body. And it showed me, uh, at first it showed up as my naked wife. That's what's sort of hilarious. It like projects itself to me as an image of my naked wife. And it tries to pull try, me up and try to lure to, you in, you know, yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, exactly. make, make exactly. you feel comfortable. Yeah. That, that's exactly it. And, and so it tried to lure me in and it tried to pull me out of my body and of sort, and then it actually told me, it went next to me and it kind of focused into my vision and said, you know, like communion with your holy art guardian angel, which is, you know, straight up alien abduction. Right. And, and this is so funny. Mm-hmm. They even use the word communion. So it's like, this would be the next step in your process. You've gone the knowledge and conversation with your holy guardian. And now it's time to ascend to the communion. And, and so I write about this in transmissions from out of time. And so right after this happened, this, and, and so it's so funny, because it came to me as my naked wife several times and started coming to me as these different things. I know one point it like came to me as this one girl that I had a naked girl that I had a particular crush on, which I was like, you know, it was just sort of hilarious. It's like, well, good try. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, and so See, this almost sounds like a succubus kind of thing. Oh, yeah. No, going and, and on here. Is, I, I had this kind of thing happen with me in astral projection when I started. This is part of why I stopped trying to experiment with this because, you know, we like to think as incubus succubus experiences as being just stuff that people made up, but it's not. It's, you know, you achieve these sleep paralysis state and these kind of things happen. And when I started experimenting with astral projection, this is the kind of thing I didn't, you know, I was reading Robert Monroe's books and using his techniques and he never mentioned this kind of thing. So, but basically though, uh, I suck and I couldn't do this communion with the Holy Guardian Angel thing because they kept trying to pull me on my body, but it's just so weird. I mean, have you, you guys have listened to like people talk about alien abductions and mm-hmm. you know, it's just a sensation of getting pulled out of your body. It's just every time it got so strange that I, it's like your fear response kicks in and it just sucks me back into my body every time. And this went on for a good nearly two years. I was having constant experiences with these entities trying to reach down and pull me up and give me this kind of like alien classic, you know, angelic abduction encounter. And I just, I couldn't do it. And it just stopped happening a while ago. And I didn't realize until I was reading my 
because I now keep a pretty detailed magic journal. And it was realized eventually I went back and the explanation I was given for why I kept happening is that these things were actually just as afraid as afraid of me as I was of them. And that was part of the problem. So it wasn't necessarily even my fear. It's that these entities were actually sort of terrified for me. So after a while, they just gave up. <laughs> but so, you know, it's interesting. So it was a, I initiated this process. But anyways, I, that was a long rant. And so back to 2012. So I did this spell to, you know, I wanted my stuff to get out to a wider audience. I had written a book that I was now in the process of editing and, uh, my muse, I had just finished an album with the band and it ended up breaking up. So then weirdly enough, um, it didn't seem to work. Although, I mean, more people did check out that record than pretty much everything that I also did, uh, with my band. And so it got really good reviews too, but I mean, it's not like I was huge or making money. I kind of made the recording cost back, but you know, it was, it was, so the, the album was in fact the best thing I ever did. But then literally a week after, uh, December 20, 21st, 2012, uh, this info picked up my writing like a week. And then it did like instantly start reaching a much wider audience than it had before. I mean, before I was writing for much smaller, smaller websites. So that was pretty trippy that I did that. And then literally a week after December 21st, 2012, my writing does get picked up and goes to a bigger website. So the year of the witch thing was sort of like, okay, if you're going to base your idea, uh, base, uh, like buy into this idea that possibly some sort of spiritual transformation was initiated in 2012, uh, that the next year would be the year of the itch and, uh, the witch and the kind of power of feminine uh, entities coming back. And it came from, a. Uh, uh, a witch named Pam Grossman who writes a great blog called uh, The Phantasmophile. And weirdly enough, after I started using it, she ended up getting a, an article written, I believe, in like the Huntington Post that got read like 20,000 times or something about this concept. So it was like I, I borrowed it from her. And then because like I was using it, I think that she ended up writing this uh, this uh, this uh, large article about it. So anyways, <laughs> more questions? <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to tell you too that the uh, the story about the entity telling you to brush your teeth – Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's actually one of our sound bites and our new, um, our new uh, theme song. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I've got. I've got I had to include that. I had to include Good. that. <laughs> I hate. I hate. I'm not supposed to use the f word, but I hate China. Yeah, man, that's a weird story. Yeah, no, and I have. Uh, this is, uh, you know, partially when I was talking about Pizzagate, it was like, you know, this is why I, I think some of your friends would be like, why, you know, why does this guy have a perspective on this kind of thing? And, you know, you're talking about like manipulating, you know, demonic entities and whatnot. And like, I've been doing this mm -hmm. for years. Like mm -hmm. I have more stories with this kind of stuff. So I actually think I'm a tad more qualified than most people. Like you're accusing these people of doing these occult rituals. I'm like, the, these things that you think are, you know, demonic forms of entity, they're not even what you think they are. You know, you uh, really can't think about these things in terms of good and evil or right and wrong. That's just not, it's not the way it works, you know? <laughs> you said something interesting there that they said that they were, you were, they were as scared as you were or scared yeah, of yeah. you. Were they scared I, of you or scared for you? Scared of me is what I was told. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, what's so funny is it stopped happening and then I wondered why. And then I didn't realize until I was going through my journals that I had an experience where it was explained to me. So it's like, why do you keep a magic journal? So you're going back and you're like, Oh, I, this was actually explained to me like why. And I wrote it down. So you know? what, what was the reason why that they're scared of us? Because we, when, when I think of these in this terms, I think of maybe something that is maybe a little more advanced than us. And it's almost like a, it almost like it would look at us like a, like a cockroach, but I guess, is it the kind of effect of where, like, you know, say, like, there's a wasp in the room. And, like, I remember when I was growing up, if there was, like, a bee or, like, a bumblebee, and I would be so scared of it. And my dad would say, well, it's probably just as scared as you, as, as you are of it. So is it yeah. that same kind of concept? Um, truth 
I don't know if they would be scared of like anyone, but you know, I, I was summoned into this for, for some weird reason. Uh, so I, I think there's something about me in particular. Uh, and if I were to theorize, I, who knows? Yeah. I mean, there's something about why do these things talk to me in the first place? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've had to, uh, recently accept the fact, you know, I'm essentially telling stories here and you know, how many guests do you have on that tell stories this weird? (laughs) This is what I've dealt with because, you know, I write books and weirdly enough, like as far as like the occult scene and whatnot, um, like I, like what I do has like nothing in common with that stuff at all. You know, my, I, you know, I've, I've had to accept the fact that I, I'm a spirit medium, which is a weird thing to accept. And I've had a lot of experiences recently where, uh, you know, it's just straight, you know, I, I get told things, they end up checking out in real life, you know, I'm predicting the future. Some of it has involved people that I've known who have died, you know, so it's just something I've had to accept. And, and the story of how I had to accept this, because I would have never thought, you know, I'm someone, especially because there's so much fraud among people that claim they're spirit mediums. You sure. know, if you look at like Long Island medium, like, please, the second anyone starts doing, you like, mean cold- she's not real. The second anyone starts doing like cold reading bu- or what John Edwards, you know, like, come on, yeah. like the second anyone starts doing cold reading bullshit, like you can pretty much. And what's so funny is I think maybe some of these people do have legit abilities, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a fraud. Like this stuff is not as consistent as it would have to be to fit into a capitalist system. You know, I, I don't think there's anybody that can literally just have anyone come in off the street and then like summon up a spirit that's going to help that exact person. You know, I, I don't think anybody is that good at this stuff. And that's been sort of my, my experience sure. and and that's just kind of unfortunate with spirituality and esoteric spirituality and capitalism in general is that the people that come to the top end up being frauds because essentially to sell people on the idea that they can do things for free that will benefit them enormously doesn't really fit into capitalism. The fact that you can use your own imagination to have better experiences than you're ever going to, you know, have buying a million dollar mansion or having a cocaine orgy or whatever like that. This idea is so completely unacceptable. It goes in the complete counter to capitalism, you know, which is why I think back in the day, it's unfortunate that's not really what the counter culture is anymore at all. Uh, but that, you know, it runs completely counter to capitalism. So I think to a large extent to fit into capitalism and the people that are going to rise up are basically going to have to lie. Like you have to kind of oversell people and say, Oh, I've got the secret. I've got the answer. You know, you gotta, gotta kind of be, right. you gotta give people easy answers. And that's why, I mean, one of the more, um, and, and people even sort of called me out, you know, which and, and it's a valid point. Some of the writing that I did for disinfo, uh, some of the more popular writing that I did was just like pointing out, how fraudulent a lot of your countercultural icons actually were. And, you know, I, even people like kind of called me out for, cause I did get a point where I did like three or four pieces on different writers like Castaneda and, you know, Crowley and, uh, uh-huh. uh e- even McKenna, you know, I'm sorry. Like as much as I love Terrence McKenna, he had a bad trip on mushrooms and never took them again for like the final 15 years of his life. Then he died, uh, <laughs> of a mushroom, of a mushroom sized tattooed on his head. And, and what's so funny is like, I don't like people like, you know, you're right. I even it got like a bit repetitive for even me. And yet I was just, like I was learning this stuff. The reason I was writing these posts is because I didn't know this stuff. You know, it's like I, you know, this is the internet. There's like this information is out here now to a lot of extent. And you know, I always looked up to all these people, and it was it was a shock to me to realize like, wow, you know, most of these people are are, are rather fraudulent. Even Robert Anton Wilson, who was a huge influence on me, it's like I honestly disagree with that guy on like at least half of the stuff that he talks about. I think he's like half right about stuff, and then I disagree with him a lot of like a lot of fundamental principles. So you know, and I, and I think the reason being and, and why we haven't had good countercultural icons in the last decade or so is because one, you know, back in the '60s, people would actually sign authors that wrote about this kind of thing, and uh, and also it's just um, 
it, it, it's just it goes. How do you sell anti-capitalism to capitalism? You know. <laughs> yeah, we talked about uh, we yeah. talked about Castaneda with one of our guests that we had on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some question, like I think Adam Gorightly has written an article about this and some question whether Castaneda actually did the things that he said he did and met Don Juan and whether Don Juan was an actual real person or it was just an, uh, some device that he made up to, you know... Um, yeah, no, he's to a explain fraud. his philosophy. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's really any maybe there. Uh, he was a fraud, and and and, the, and if you're looking for sources on that, it's pretty much his followers. Uh, and not only, I mean, <laughs> not only that, but people caught. No, I mean, his followers straight up told. You know, if you read interviews, they're like he told us that his works were fiction. You know, yeah. and, and and they were, and yet, I mean, he. I still think Carlos. I would recommend his books to anybody, and they were a huge influence on me when I was a kid. Oh, I mean, absolutely. That's, that, that's absolutely. That's that's exactly what my stance is too. Is that <clears throat> I, I believe you know, like you said, he, he was he was probably a total fraud, but that doesn't uh, negate the fact that there's still value in, in the books themselves. There's a lot of really interesting stuff and ideas and. Kessner is interesting, and the reason those books are good is because one, I mean, he, he what he did is he fraudulently, you know, he he did he was more of a storyteller, and that's actually the thing is like when I say it's like he ripped off so many people when you when you look at things Don Juan said, Don Juan was apparently the most well read uh, well read Native American sorcerer <laughs> ever because like it was all ripped off from other places <laughs> essentially. So that was one of the things, and, they, and you know, but he did. I mean, he studied shamanism, and like all the things in the book were actually based on actual shamanism. So a lot of the shamanism in the book was, or the sorcery as he was calling it, was legit and the concepts are legit and it's well written so i'd highly recommend it but yeah no i mean the other thing is i mean you read about his sorcery and he's talking about this stuff and you know here's the knock on castaneda in case your, your listeners don't know is uh i mean he basically used his fame to start a sex cult to himself like that's what, what he did because he why not yeah because he started a sex coven essentially so he had all these but yeah why not but that's, Let, what, that's what Luke would do. He's nodding his <laughs> head. And I agree. This sounds cool, but what he actually did was he found poor women and completely separated from their family. All made them shave their heads, by the way, too, because he had a weird uh, women with shaved heads. So he basically exploited poor women, intentionally separating with their family, and so he could start this weird sex cult. Which is again, my point is, this is how you know he's a fraud. Like this is not what if you were legit, you know, shaman or sorcerer. This is not what you would have done with your time. Like you know, obviously the guy was a fraud because he really just wanted to use fame to get laid it wasn't really a spiritual thing to a large extent (laughs) but but it gets worse though because i mean basically again he separated all these women from their family and then he convinced them that he was never going to die and his body was going to vanish and then he got liver cancer and died and three or four of them committed suicide essentially because they were so upset about the fact so again this sounds cool oh i'd want to start a sex cult for yourself but you know women are people and uh separating vulnerable women from their families uh for your own sexual purposes and then lying to them about your spiritual abilities to the point that they commit suicide when he dies it's pretty shitty like it's like the guy was a scumbag the guy was he was a scumbag and he was a fraud i, I still would recommend his books i i think that i don't think it, i don't think that takes uh, away from his books at all but you know he he was definitely a scumbag and a fraud but that's for sure right right yeah. well i mean did it ruin your vision of him when you first found that out or does well, I think what's fascinating about uh, this, and uh, yeah, it's a weird topic. It's uh, you know, I can kind of seg this into some other uh, something else I was thinking about the other day. But you know, it's just this is psychology. When I was when I talk about you know earlier how I was you know summoned into magic, you know, I was raised you know in Ohio, you know, playing sports and playing guitar and stuff. Like I'm a pretty normal guy, you know. So when I started playing around with astral projection and having these 
really weird experiences. It completely went against what I was taught to believe and accept, and I couldn't. And so when this thing showed up and kind of just clapped its fingers, hands, and un- unhypnotized me, it released this. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. I was talking about Castaneda because he talks about this in his book. It's in its concept that Graham Hancock talks about in his uh, studies of shamanism as well. It's this concept called submission to a higher order of knowing, like a part of you that was raised to think that this was crazy and it doesn't make sense like kind of has to snap for you to progress and that's sort of what happened to me so i know and i talked about this in my first book like i know how hard it is like this stuff goes so against the grain and this is something that we now know about psychology is that if somebody has a deep held belief it doesn't really you know confronting them with facts and whatnot and and sometimes in my case even experiences wasn't enough you know because you live in society and, and people are we're not really rational. We're incredibly conformist. And, and mm-hmm. we, need to start, we need to start recognizing that. Like a lot of the stuff that we think of as rationality is actually conformity, you know? And, and I was actually, so this is something I was thinking about the other day, that there are at least five, you know, I, I would come on a show like this and talk about magic and, and, and things like magic and sorcery. And really what we're talking about is the potentiality of the human imagination. Uh, and it seems that, you know, the, the human mind, uh, the human imagination has this enormous potentiality that's untapped. And for some reason, we're not studying this thing. And you say stuff like that. And people even like, oh, you're, you're in imagining like, that's crazy. And I'm like, actually, I can like off the top of my head, name five different completely scientifically affected things that absolutely point in the direction that the human imagination, like that's an established science fact. And yet it's so hidden and it so goes against the way we live our lives, this so goes against getting up and going to a job and working, like this idea of tapping in and of spending time in your dreams. But yeah, I mean, just right now, like number one, you got psychedelic drugs. There's been more research going into this recently, but no, no scientist is going to deny that if you take psychedelic drugs, you're going to have most likely a very spiritual experience. This is what the research is increasingly saying that this can cause. And, and what I would encourage anybody that hasn't really done psychedelic drugs is to like read some of these stories, like go to Arrowhead, some of these trials that you're like, read some of these people's stories because it's very weird and very complicated. And especially in things like ayahuasca, we've shown that people are, you know, reliving memories from their past and seeing how these things from their past are integrated with their future and sometimes having future. I mean, so there's this question of how does the brain do that? How can the brain reproduce memories from the past? Because we know that they, it, it can essentially, right? And that's psychedelic drugs. So then you, then you got hypnosis. And again, what I would say is um, look at the weirdness of hypnosis. You know, it's, it's like you can make people, you know, have spontaneous orgasms or think that they're drunk. And what's so funny is I took a class on hypnosis. So it's not something that I've been able to pursue a lot because some people, it's one of the strange aspects of it. Some people are very easy to hypnotize. Other people, not very easy to hypnotize. I unfortunately fall in the not very easy to hypnotize category. So it wasn't something that I pursued a lot. I've taken a couple classes. So that's number two potentiality of the human imagination, straight up scientifically accepted nobody's going to argue that psychedelic drugs or hypnosis and then you got lucid dreaming lucid dreaming again people don't realize this has been scientifically proven it's not just that people say they have lucid dreams scientists have conducted experiments and this is like back in the 70s where you know people actually communicated with the with the outside world where a, a, a doctor was watching a person who was lucid dreaming and they came up with eye movements to communicate to the doctor that yes i know that you're dreaming i know that you're looking at me so again lucid dreaming something the human mind can do very few of us pursue it Four, you got meditation. The research on meditation is now coming forward. And again, think about what meditation is. This means that you can just think differently. You can think differently and program your mind to do to do all kinds of weird things to kind of just reformat your mind. And it has all kinds of positive benefits. Nobody's going to argue with this. The science is out on this. Some people can even like, you know, drop their body temperature and do this again. Nobody can argue there's these people. It's been tested. And so that's number four. And then number five, uh, you have... Um, 
Um, so you got lucid dreaming, and five would be crap. I just completely spaced on. <laughs> The, um, so that, that, that's four right out in the open. And then, um, well, of course you've got near death experiences. God, I should have written this down the other day. I had a good, I had a good five, but so anyways, I just went through like four things right out. Oh no, no. Five is spontaneous brain injuries. I'm sorry. So there's this guy in Tacoma. Um, and, um, and, and this has again, been documented, uh, multiple times and, you know, no scientist is going to deny that it exists. There's like a, a guy in Tacoma is a particularly example, interesting example of this, where he got kicked in the head coming out of a comedy show one day. And then all of a sudden he said, I'm seeing these crazy geometric, like otherworldly geometric patterns in my mind. And then he, then this guy who has no drawing ability whatsoever is all of a sudden goes from having no artistic ability to drawing these amazing, like geometric patterns out of nowhere. And, and this is Isn't it's that not crazy. Just that is, that is fascinating. So, so there, there, there are five things that just straight up say the human imagination has this limitless possibility. It's all in the open. No scientist would even deny any of those things. I could keep going into things like near death experiences. Well, let me, experience. let me add too that all those that you just <laughs> described are considered altered states of consciousness. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yes, exactly. And for some reason, like, hey, you know, my books and stuff and what I do and I talk about, you know, you know, being a mystic or whatever. And this is what I do. Like, I explore these things. I've experimented with meditation. I've explored with astral projection, uh, ritualistic use of psychedelic drugs, which is a bit different than the uh, um than just the recreational use of psychedelic drugs. And I can say that those are just, just recreationally using psychedelic drugs and ritualistically doing them are, are, are quite a bit different things. And, um, and now I've done dream journaling and kind of magic journaling and then played around with kind of chaos magic techniques and stuff like that. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things have essentially worked, you know, like that's what, and, and weirdly enough, I was a Christian for like, you know, from age, I don't know, seven to 16. And I did the Christian rituals constantly and none of that stuff worked. Christianity is literally the only spiritual practice I've tried that didn't really work. So we're in a strange place in science where we know that the, that there's enormous potentiality in, in these altered states of consciousness, essentially in the powers of the mind, where it goes beyond the powers of the mind, I would say, and what my kind of work challenges is in remote viewing challenges is the idea that it's just somehow in the mind, that what is in the mind isn't connected to the exterior world. And as I was kind of talking talking about with my dreams earlier it's like i and, and most even uh, philosophers you know psychedelic philosophers will still have that caveat well you know i'm not saying that it's real or it's not real i'm like no i'm i'm saying that what is an internal consciousness in states of consciousness is connected to external states of consciousness in weird ways that we don't understand and i've demonstrated this myself i mean i've posted things publicly about dreams that have then come true at later times and it's been public. So I don't know. And it's about very specific stuff that, you know, you can't say that, Oh, you just, you were just picking that up from some other cues. It's, it's like, no, that's look at the dream and look at what happened. And it's really hard to say that these things aren't related. And of course that's what, and, and you notice in the five things I was talking about, I didn't bring up remote viewing, even though I've experimented with remote viewing and got three for three hits in this one experiment that I did. So that was pretty weird. And I think that's really actually almost even more sound than some of the other ones, but it's just, there's been such a propaganda campaign against that. The second you bring it up, like 90, it's like, I don't know, it's like nine 11 conspiracies. They're like 99% of people are just going to be like, F you, how dare you suggest that that's actually legit. Well, so. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Thad, about you mentioned about being a medium. Now, is this something that you believe that has always been with you since you were a child? Or do you believe that you have honed this ability from all the rituals and practices and the things that you have done over the years? Where do you um, think it comes from? I think it comes from both. And that's why I would encourage, but it is strange. Cause like the occult stuff, I was sort of summoned into that 
stuff. Like I, and that's just a weird thing. I mean, you can believe in the spirit world. I mean, I'm sure you guys have had kind of alien contactees and this idea of me being summoned into the occult is actually a lot less weird than their stories, you know, which, and, and a lot more pleasant. Like it wasn't like, like when I read about some like these alien contactee encounters, it's like, that stuff sounds absolutely horrifying, you know? Right. And, and, right. And, and, exactly. I was, and I was talking about too, these experience of having these things pulling me out of my body. I couldn't do it. You know, I, I, yeah. I tried, I really wanted to make it happen. I wanted to make that happen more than anything, but I couldn't do it because it was just so jarring. And, and the, the sensation of being pulled out of your body was so, you know, just alien for lack of a better term and terrifying. Um, so I do think it is a combination with somebody like me, but, but I mean, here's the other thing about sci phenomenon. When you look at things like remote viewing and, and like hypnosis, like I said, I, I'm not, I can't really be hypnotized very easily. Other people can be hypnotized very easily. So that's kind of an ability. And, and, you know, remote viewing, uh, all the research that went into that said essentially the same thing. It's just basically, it, you know, and, and it's funny that people don't like this, but you know, it's, sh- I don't know why people are confused by it, but I think that some people are just better at this stuff than others. And that means that it's like anything else in the universe, you know, like some people are better at drawing than others. Some people are better at math than others. Some people are six foot eight and can play basketball. Some people are, you know, so basically it's, it, it, it's like, sorry, like anything else. I do think there are people that just have greater abilities at this stuff than your average person, just like anything else in life. Uh, and, and I think definitely I'm one of, I, I was in denial about this essentially. Like I didn't want to accept the fact that I was one of these people, but, but yeah, and it's been, it's been communicated to me too, that especially the, the spirit medium stuff that, it, you know, it's been, it's been referred to me by the spirits that I do have a gift, you know, and that, that is the gift. And, and again, this is one of those things you look in, in spirit mediums, that that's just the way it's talked about. And if you look at the history of spirit mediumship, that's, you know, what these spirits are telling me is essentially the entire tradition is that some people just have this, this gift, but I think anyone could, you know, just like, um, of course I'm a huge NBA fan. So everything comes back to like sports references me, but I think that anybody, (laughs) anybody can play basketball, but I don't think, you know, obviously I played a lot of basketball when I was young. I I was never under the delusion that I would even going to play college ball, but does that mean that you shouldn't do it? Like, no, I mean, it was fun and you know, and it's good for you and it's good exercise. So that's sort of the way I feel about spirituality just because, you know, you're not necessarily going to be like, you know, the top dog or like amazing at this kind of stuff. I really do think anybody could benefit. And actually, weirdly enough, it's, uh, I had a weird experience earlier in the week which is something that I've been referred to before, which is essentially that we have this idea of why magic works. And I think a lot of magicians think that, you know, you're kind of like bullying the universe around with the power of your will. And what was sort of communicated to me was that, you know, honestly, you're just, you're, you're sort of like a student. And if you pay attention and you try and learn, if you really start paying attention to your dreams, if you really start trying to say, Hey, what is my subconscious mind? Or, or what are these things communicating to me? Like, what are these things trying to tell me? And you really open up this dialogue that you're going to be rewarded. And maybe that's really all that magic is. It's like, it seems like things are going well and, 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 you know, things are going well for your life, but really they're just like, Hey, yes, we want people to start trying to figure this out and learn. And we're going to reward anyone that tries. That's the way they, 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 they pointed it out to me. It's like, if you start actually trying to listen to, you know, what your spiritual self is trying to tell you, we're going to reward you for listening to that, you know, just because that's the game. That's, that's your, it's a lesson. We, you know, it's like a student. It's like, you get good grades. You're going to pass the class. And we're going to move you up. So it's a completely different philosophy as to why. And this was just something that was communicated to me just over the weekend, you know, and it was something that was reiterated and something that was told to me before. And, you know, it was just like, huh, that's, that's, that's fascinating to think that, you know, magic isn't really about, you know, uh, pushing people around or, or, or kind of saying, I want spirits to do this. It is in a way, but ultimately it's just like, we just sort of reward anybody who's actually trying to learn, you know, <laughs> especially if you try, if you, cause so few 
few people do. It's like if you actually go out of your way to try and figure this stuff out, we're going to reward you for just trying to figure it out, essentially. What's, uh, how, how do you feel that you – do you feel that you've been rewarded in life? Um, I definitely uh, – yeah, my life definitely – I mean that's, that was one of the more interesting things about getting into magic and how I was summoned and, and talking about how – you know, it was like, you have to accept this and you can use this to your advantage something. And yeah, my life turned around like pretty much immediately. I got a better, like I said, I had been single, which is, and I'd broken up coming out of like a long-term relationship. I was kind of uh, drinking myself to death. Uh, I was doing it to kind of like want money. And yeah, I transitioned careers and instantly got like a way better career. I instantly like met the woman who would, because so it was weird how quickly my life went from me being down to like being up and like it swung around very rapidly. And, and I, you know, and I'm still obviously... I still work a day job, you know, I would like to get to the point where I don't have to work a day job. But the other thing I can say about magic is I was doing magic to try and make my art better and my writing better. And that, in that regard, it absolutely worked. I I instantly, like I left this one band and started another band that I think was way better and got way better reviews and was way more successful. And, you know, I never even finished a book before I got into magic. And now I, the transmission from outside time is actually my third. It's the second I put out under my name. It's the second that you can buy my, my first book. I don't even like my wrist, but I at least finished it. Right. (laughs) So, um, so yeah. And I mean, I I can definitely say, yeah, it, it was kind of weird actually how much, and yeah, financially too, I mean, just I transitioned careers and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I've been doing magic 11 years ago and yes, I'm in, in, a, in a way better financial position um, than I was when I started. Uh, so yeah, it, it is strange that yes, it, it, it was pretty significant how things turned around after this happened, which is, uh, which is sort of what the claim behind magic is that you can use this stuff to better your life. But I would say someone like a Bremen would say, and I point out, like, I really don't think that, it works unless you're doing it. You, you, you can't be doing it for selfish reasons. Yes, you need to better yourself, but you need to be bettering yourself to better the world as a whole. That's the whole point. If you're not doing it for that reason, it's just going to blow up in your face. You know, if you're really just about, I want to be rich and famous or whatever, like that's, you're supposed to be developing spiritually and you're supposed to be thinking about the whole, because remember back to the Holy Trinity, you know, and I've had a billion visions about this, about how all consciousness is connected essentially, and that we all are essentially one story or one plot line. So, I mean, that's just the fundamental of magic you're not being selfish is not actually helping you you're like you can think you're doing selfish magic but you're really it's it's not going to work because you're not like you have to be thinking about the fact that you're connected to everyone else and it's really what's good for the good of the whole is what's going to be good for you and you know it's like so you know it's it's not easy you have to try and live up to that yeah yeah that makes sense let's talk about some of the things in the book sure um, sure There was one interesting thing that you kind of like, it's kind of a theme in the early part of the book, talking about um, some of the weird synchronicities of trying to, uh, uh, to adopt a dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Several things with names and place names. And let's uh, talk about that, that a little bit, because that was kind of fascinating. I can pull that up. Yeah. I don't have to remember. Uh, yeah, no. Okay. So anyways, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, the part of this book covers and yeah, I should, I get to throw my dog. So I have an adorable dog and yeah, I was, uh, part of this covers the point in my life when we were getting this dog, which is something we'd wanted for a while. And it was actually something I did a magic spell to try and get, uh, and it worked out in, particularly way because we actually asked our landlord we had cheap rent my wife is cool we asked her she said no and then it just so happened that 
I renegotiated again because she has to raise her rent. So I'm like, let me try and, you know, renegotiate. And it happened just at the right time. And, and then looking back, it's like my wife and I, at the first time when she said, no, we really didn't have time to get a dog. So this is again, how magic works. And then that happened. We ended up getting the dog right when this band that I was in sort of broke up. So I had all this free time to raise a puppy because puppies take a lot of time. So that was it. But yeah, there was synchronicities are something that I write about a lot. And, and, you know, my take on synchronicities is a lot different. I mean, weirdly enough, some more scientists are taking this stuff seriously and they all think that it's just seeing patterns. And I think really synchronicities are just the universe's way of pointing out to you that there's a narrative. And, and so much of, I'd say what, what, what would be considered mysticism or magic is looking at the universe as being more, as being a story and being art rather than being, you know, matter and this objective literalism. It's this more subjective and metaphorical way of thinking that we've sort of shut out. And so synchronicities are just the universe's sort of way of pointing out to you, like, look, there's a plot. Like this isn't just random nonsense. Like you are part of a story and part of a plot. And when you tap into that plot, you start to see that your life has a plot. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, the one weird synchronicity about my dog is that we brought him a UW um, – because uh, we went to go out and meet him. He was like an hour and an hour away. And we had brought him a scent blanket. My wife worked at UW at the time. So we brought him a UW scent blanket. Uh, his name is, uh, we named him Ezekiel uh, Ross because Ross is my middle name. Um, and, uh, and, <laughs> what and, kind, and what kind of dog is he? And then, oh, he's a pug. He's a black pug. Uh, so, okay. And so on the night we brought him this UW um, uh, scent blanket and came back, um, Terrence Ross, who went to UW, won the slam dunk contest that night. And so we had named him Ross and gave him a UW thing. So that was just one of the synchronicities. I think it was even weirder than that, though, in that um, his one of his when we got the the birth certificate also the name ross one of his i think like his grandpa had the name ross in his name too as well so it was just this very and you know these are the kind of synchronicities like they don't add up and, and this is another thing i talk about in the book on the on the on, on the it, i call it technological synchronicism yet another thing that i read about that I'm like, <laughs> you know it's like i, I really am in, in kind of like my own category which is something i didn't i didn't realize like i started writing and i was like oh i just assume that other people are doing what i'm doing and it's like no i'm doing completely weird stuff that no one else is doing but um, one of the things that I did was called um, is I, I refer to it as technological synchromysticism, and it's you know I mean like I said that synchronicity I just pointed out with the the UW something like it eh, we never had time proving that but the fact that we did go visit our dog where we gave a UW a scent blanket on the exact same day that Terrence Ross and named him, you know, Ross and the exact same name that Terrence Ross won the dunk contest. He went to UW, uh, you know, those kind of things are actually provable like that. We could demonstrate that, you know? And so this is something that when I started documenting on Facebook, uh, not only did I kind of pr provide a documentation that my dreams were predicting the future, but, um, you can actually now track synchronicities and, you know, like Carl Jung had the classic like moth synchronicity of, he was talking about a moth, you know, and, uh, and the exact time he was talking about a moth with Carl, this, moth came up and you know and flew in his window and like every mm -hmm. mystic throughout mm -hmm. hi throughout history has these stories right and they don't actually have to be just stories at this point like if you really start tracking like things and writing out your dreams and your visions online and whatnot there's certain things that you can just prove flat out happened you know it's just like you know if you uh, document something on facebook and then the next day the site that you look at you know like every day um posts, you know, the exact topic that you were talking about the day before, that's now not just like, you know, that's not a random synchronicity. You can say this actually did happen. So I call it kind of technological synchronicism. And I, I've been keeping track of more and more of those. And uh, yeah, I should have, I should have gotten compiled a list before I came on here. I got some good ones though. I do remember some, first of all, there's just some weird synchronicities in my life that I can prove. Uh, one is uh, Carlos Castaneda, we were talking about earlier. So I grew up, 
excuse me, again, in suburban Youngstown, Ohio, um, with, I had a half brother. My, my dad had remarried and I had a half brother. Um, we were, we grew up Christian, Episcopalian, actually. We went to an Episcopalian church. Uh, my half brother is three and a half years younger than me. Um, and so we grew up again and it's my stepmom's son. My dad ended up adopting him. Um, we never talked about shamanism or alternate spirituality at all growing up. Um, and, uh, as it turns out, after I moved out and went to college, I got into psychedelic drugs and started reading about this stuff. And so did he. And so again, like in a weird, so I do have a brother that lives in Peru and has been involved with ayahuasca shamanism. I grew up in the same house as this kid with me and my little brother. We both grew up as Episcopalians in suburban Ohio. And somehow two of us ended up practicing a more shamanic faith. <laughs> totally weird. Totally provable. Uh, here's another good one. There's a, there's a podcast at, on, on the Ohio one. Uh, the first podcast I actually ever did, um, is, uh, called the free radical media podcast. And it was a weird point where I'd been writing a little bit for disinfo. I was thinking about doing podcasts. I was like, I'm going to wait till my books are out till I do a podcast, but so, which is another three or four months away. And so they contacted me out of way. I like right when I was thinking about, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? And they were like, yes. Uh, and so this is the first podcast I ever did. And they just randomly asked me, you know, out of nowhere. And so I did it. And it wasn't until we were done doing the podcast and talking that we were like, Oh, you guys are from Ohio. Oh, okay. And this is after we'd done, we were done talking. This is like in the emails afterwards. It's like, you guys are from Ohio. Yeah. Not only from Ohio, they're from Youngstown where I grew up. Uh, one of the guys I sent him a book, he lives like half mile away from where I grew up. And one of the guys that I was talking to on this call actually literally went to my high school on this podcast. And so literally the first person who ever asked me to do a podcast, the first podcast I was ever on were from people not from my hometown. And one of them actually went to my high school. <laughs> Totally, completely true. None of us, none of us knew this until after the podcast. Isn't was. that strange how things work out? Because I think I've said yeah. this, this story before, but like when we were in uh, the Paradigm Symposium, uh, when mm-hmm. we went up there to Minneapolis, uh, so we're doing interviews, and there's this lady there, uh, Jennifer Stein, who uh, she did the um, documentary about Travis Walton, right? Okay, yeah. And just through the course of, of speaking. Uh, find out that she's from the Philadelphia area. So mm-hmm. my uncle lives in Philadelphia, and I just kind of ask her, uh, do you know, you know, my uncle, give her my uncle's name, and she says, yeah, I do. I know him. <laughs> but it's just because she had heard my last name, and she was going to yeah. ask me, and I'm thinking just like, what are the damn odds that I go all the way to Minneapolis from Nashville, and this lady knows my uncle? coming from a completely different city it's it's, it's strange huh it's strange and like i said it's 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 pointing again the again this idea that there is a narrative behind life that this idea that comes from uh kind of obsessive materialism or scientism that it's just cold dead matter and and you know that the the universe isn't consciousness is it's just it's bizarre because humans are we're we're stories we create narratives around everything so the idea that the larger universe is devoid of narrative is ridiculous and and so you have these things and and yeah i mean i i I can keep going i'm gonna go into one that's other very strange and then i'll give another one that's kind of more nuts and bolts because this is not the other one that's strange is I read about this in my book. Thad McCracken is not actually my name. Uh, I still work day jobs and because and weirdly enough, this is something that I was told to do by the spirit world years ago was like, Hey, you need to start writing on another name. This is way before anybody was even paying uh, I, attention. I was to so it. hoping oh. Thad McCracken was your name. <laughs> I, I was yeah. really yeah. hoping. So, so listen to this. So this is a very, yeah, exactly. It's a great name. And, and, and so I, uh, I created this name at complete random years ago, uh, as it was like PR thing for my band. I, I tried to make it like, seem like the band's materials were coming from a PR guy rather than myself. So I invented the name Thad McCracken and, and weirdly enough, I didn't want to write under a fake name. I was sort of told to do this. Like, Hey, listen, this could get you into trouble. And weirdly enough, 
as I write about in my book, I did end up losing my job at one point and having to find another job. And when you're looking for a job, anyone in the age of Google, like this, you wouldn't have to worry about this kind of thing before Google. But in the age of Google, if someone Googles you and then all this stuff about like the occult and psychedelic drugs comes up, you know, that's not looking good. So I, so I was told to write under a fake name and I did. Okay, so the fake name Thad McCracken just made it up out of nowhere. I think I knew a kid that was named Thad when I was like five and I thought it was a cool name. And for some reason, my brother and I <laughs> thought McCracken was a funny last name. I don't know. When we were like in college, there was a McCracken Hall at Miami of Ohio when I went to briefly. And I don't know, for some reason, we used to always just like get high and joke about that name. So I picked this name, Thad McCracken. <laughs> As it turns out, one of my fans pointed out to me, there is a guy who lit named Thaddeus McCracken, spelled one letter different, who lives in Detroit, Michigan, and he's heavily involved in Burning Man. And he's heavily involved in this thing called Theater of the Bazaar, if I'm remembering correctly, which is a lot of occult-themed performance theater. So there is an actual person. I pulled this name out of nowhere, just made it up. And there is an actual uh-huh. person named Thad McCracken who is into psychedelic drugs and the occult. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't – and this is provable. Like, this isn't like – and this is what I'm talking about, these provable synchronicities. Like, the ones I've been talking about, like, I can, I can demonstrate all these things. You could talk to the dudes in free radical media. You could talk to my little brother who grew up with me. We never talked about shamanism once. Both ended up being the shaman. There's a real guy named Thad McCracken who goes to Burning Man every year and does uh, occult-themed performance art with this fairly famous performance troupe in Detroit, Michigan. And it just have, so you, have you ever gone to Burning Man? I haven't. No, no, I, I never have. Have you? Has, have any of you guys gone? No, or, we uh, never have. Yeah, you know, I got to be honest. It's weird. Um, I, I, as much as I love psychedelic <laughs> drugs, and I like psychedelic stuff more than the occult. Uh, I, 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 I don't really like psychedelic culture, like the the hippie festivals and stuff. This is why I've never actually done DMT. I've never done DMT because you apparently have to go to like hippie festivals Wait, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've never actually done DMT, which oh is. My God. I've, yeah, no, I know. It's like it, every time I bring it up, everybody like goes crazy about that. And it's just like, I, I don't know, man. Like I even know a guy that like books because I was played when I was doing more music and, you know, I still do. It's more psych rock. So that, like that's a different scene that just started. There's like Austin Psych Fest in Seattle now. And there's like most cities kind of have like a psych fest, but it's a much smaller thing. So like I was never into the hippie jam band thing or or even kind of the electronic. Like it's just not really my kind of music. So I think psychology, but it's weird that psychedelic culture has expanded to the point that there now is things like Austin Psych Fest and there's even like road burn over and uh, uh, I can't remember where in Europe it is, which is kind of more the stonery doom metal. So, I mean, psychedelic drugs were a lot more prevalent than people realize. And, you know, there was, there was people like me. I always thought it was weird because, like, I was interested in the stuff, but I never really, I, I don't like fish. I don't like Grateful Dead. I don't like, uh, you know, it's just, it was never my music. And, well, oh, I'm not you don't to- like fish, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a fish fan. <laughs> it's like the hippie jam band thing. It's like it's never, even though, yeah. I mean, I've I've been more of a psych noise rock, you know, type of guy than a than a kind of a, your traditional hippie, and, it, and it's weird. But yeah, no, I've never done DMT. I've never been to Burning Man. And you know, weirdly enough, the main reason I I think I do want to go at some point. But the main reason I've never been to Burning Man is like, man, I hate hot weather. Like oh, I live in yeah. I live in Pacific Northwest for a reason. Like I genuinely, I'm very warm blooded. I do not like high weather. Like it just seems like, man, I don't I don't think that I would have fun because it's just so hot yeah because you got to go to like the middle of the desert for like a week right yeah yeah. like you stay in the middle of the desert for a week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's not my thing you know like i said i live in the pacific northwest for a reason man i like it up here i don't like i don't like boiling hot weather i really don't but yeah, no, I, I got to go to one of these festivals just to do a DMT one of these days or have one of my fan give it to me because yeah, no, it is sort of embarrassing at this point, but <laughs> that's like one of the weird things that's become more and more trendy. And I've, unfortunately, it's not easy to find, man. I found it once yeah. and me and my friend tried to smoke it and uh, we smoked it wrong and we only had a teeny bit. So we got like a teeny little effect from it, but what is, it wasn't like the full on, the full on DMT experience. 
Yeah, you, you had Luke's approval when you said the stoner gloom metal or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doom metal, not gloom metal. Okay, doom metal. <laughs> yeah. Gloom metal. Yeah, I went to t- uh, like three different uh, shows that were entirely do- two sludge metal fests, different years here in uh, Murfreesboro, and then like several <laughs> doom metal shows. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, and like it's funny. I mean, uh, yeah, it's like I'm from Seattle, and you know, I'm God, I'm pushing forty now. But growing up in the '90s, you know, it was just all like the grunge stuff, and yet there was all like the stoner and doom metal was getting started out back then, and also electronic music, like weird stuff. So you know, that was the kind of psychedelic music that I was into, and yeah, and and even like Sonic Youth and you know, kind of noise rockier stuff. So like you know, really right stoner, on, right on, stoner metal, you know, stoner music, and yet it was never, it was never the. Uh, it was never the the hippie kind of jam band stuff. And, you know, weirdly enough that it wasn't just me because there are psych fests. Like I was involved with a couple psych fests in Seattle and, and, and whatnot there, but unfortunately it's, it's not that big a scene. <laughs> like they're happening, but it's not, it's, it's still kind of smaller, smaller level, but you know, it, it's growing. So obviously there, there was a lot more people that are like me and like found psychedelic drugs and very interesting, but didn't like the prototypical like hippie jam band kind of psychedelic scene. But, but uh, you know, I want to hear some of the, uh, one of the, one of the weirder stories in the book. Let's talk mm. about something. Let's talk about something really weird. That's uh, happened to okay. you. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. One of the weirder things is, and and this is uh, me um, from. Well, I guess. Okay, so. I guess I'm going to throw this in the weird category in that it was verified in reality. So I was talking about things that end up predicting the future. So I had this dream uh, in, I believe it was June, and it's it's you know it's documented in this book uh, about. Um, and the dream was paraphrased by, and it was bizarre because I went through a period of years where I was having crazy dreams and it's kind of subsided in the last uh, year or so. Um, and, and so it, it basically told me straight up at the beginning, like this is a metaphor for working for a large corporation. And then I had this dream where I was in all these co all with kind of all my coworkers who I was working with, with at the time. And we were on a plane that was going down into the Amazon and that we were in the dark and that nobody knew what was going on. It was just like, okay, you guys are in the dark. Nobody goes, knows what's going down. The plane that you're in is going down and it was me and my coworkers. And it was sort of like, yeah, they're just going to let you fend with yourself as this plane goes down in the Amazon. Uh, there was another part of this dream where it was like this. I also had a new coworker in this dream and this coworker was shown to me was like kind of like an awful person. And uh, so six months after this dream, I found out that the company I'd been working for for six years had been bought out by another company, and we were going to be laid off in a year. So again, we were a part of like exactly like the metaphor in the dream of the plane going down, which again, the dream was prefaced by saying this is a metaphor for working a large corporation that, and we were, it was the exact scenario that was described in the dream. We were in fact all going down. We, we, I ended up working for them for slightly over another year after I had found out because they gave us retention bonuses. So it was this like process of working for this company that was slowly going down. As it turned out, the, 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 I did in fact, one guy left, I did in fact get another, uh, um, another, uh, cube person who sat in the cube next to me that guy did end up being a like a creepy kind of like neo-nazi type dude uh which i was the only <laughs> one that found out about so it was like again uh, you know i can i can tell some weirder stories after that but um th- weird in the fact that it was one of like four places during this one year the weather one of the other ones is my uncle where it's straight up like there's this dream that he predicted the future and i published it before that and that was like six months before i found out about any of this and any super skeptic that's just like oh well you maybe you maybe you're faking it and you were you know hearing things behind the scenes you know i'd have to point out actually it would have been illegal like the way corporate culture works like me to know anything about this merger would have been illegal like it would have been illegal for any of my bosses what one they didn't 
didn't know about it at this point. And two, like, no, I couldn't have known about this. Like, it would have been illegal for anybody that I worked for at this time to actually tell me that this stuff was going on um, because, you know, it, it leads to, you know, stock manipulation and, and stuff like that. So, um, and, 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 and I went to, and, and I can further go on this, and this is almost even more bizarre. Uh, there was another example where I really liked the, the artist Paul Laffley. And so I didn't even realize until I was going through a nose. A, ne- a week before I went to Paul Laffley's uh, exhibit, which is the only West Coast exhibit that he's ever had, and he's a visual artist, highly recommend anybody looking up online. He's actually passed away, passed away, I think, like a year or so after this event. So, um, I had a couple visions. So a day before or a couple days before I went to Paul Lafayette vision, I had an idea and it was a vision about um, me. Uh, it, was, it was basically floating out the idea. It's like, could you build a magic shrine to uh, kind of like emphasize your magic? You know, like the idea of me creating like a holy space for myself, essentially, like that I could create this space that would help intensify my magic. Now, this happened a year before um, – so again, I had this vision the next day I go and see one of my favorite artists or like a couple days later and I had a pretty crazy vision there. Okay. I had no plans of starting my own space, like none. This idea would not germinate in my head. I had several visions actually. I had even more after it. I was going through my notes again after this vision leading up to this idea that I was going to create my own kind of uh, indoor, you know, kind of art shrine essentially my, my kind of spirit place for me to do my spiritual work. And um, about, Six months after this, my wife wants to buy a place in Seattle, which I didn't want to do. And again, this is where this gets confirmed. Like, I didn't want to. I didn't want to buy a place in Seattle. I I didn't even think we could afford it, but we run the numbers. It's like, oh, yeah, we can. It ended up being a really good good idea because real estate in Seattle has gone completely berserk. So my wife was 100% right. But I was totally resistant to this. Same same here in Nashville, by the way. No, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's not, I don't even, you know, again, it's like my wife was totally right. And it's so funny because this, I have this all documented of like me in the spiritual states and like these entities being like, dude, I know you don't want to buy a house. Just trust us. Buy a, you know, like, don't be an idiot. Like your wife is totally right. But it's so, like this is all documented. So anyways, we look around for a place. We first, the idea was to buy a house. We realized in our neighborhood, we couldn't really afford a house. So we're like, well, we could have afforded a house, but it would have been like a 600 square foot, basically the same size of our crappy apartment that we've been living in for years. So we decided eventually townhouse. We're looking at several townhouses. I wanted to be a buy one. My wife is like, no, I don't like that one. She made the decision last minute. The next week we find this other one that has a first floor office gallery space in it. Uh, and it's basically like I live in an art gallery. And I knew the second I saw it, like we walked in, this is not something I wanted to do. And of course, my wife is super picky. She loved this place too. So I was having visions about this idea of creating this art space, like where, you know, kind of like my own kind of church or whatever, essentially, for lack of a better term, my own uh, sanctum sanctorum, uh, if you will. And, um, and then less than a year later, this is something that I had no intentions of doing. I didn't want to do on a conscious level, no desire. And I'm now talking to you from it right now. Uh, like, so, uh, and, and again, this is stuff that can all be verified. Like, you know, you could, you could talk to a real estate agent who said, no, they weren't looking like I not once during the process said, Oh, I need to find a place where I can put up my art and like have my own art room like that was not even it was in my subconscious states but it was not even in um in uh in my conscious mind at all and in fact my conscious mind was against the idea and it wasn't until i even saw this place but it was like this weird thing when i saw it i knew like immediately and of course you know it's really competitive in seattle but of course we got the place you know somehow miraculously and yeah it was just this weird and of course my wife loved it too my like what you know it's just so yeah it's just these experiences and, and why i said like you know and um 
so yeah, that is weird in a way. You know, I, I guess I could probably tell somebody if you want some more kind of like exotic stories. Yeah, and I, I keep going. I can tell a story about um, uh, summoning a, a demon, which is a project I, I kind of uh, took on because I'd never done work uh, with that. That's a classic, you know, magic. You know, asking a demonic form of intelligence to 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 do your bidding essentially or help you out. Well, and I did I, that. Yeah, I'd love to hear about okay. some, some demon summoning. I, I can go to that. And this is this goes past my book. I'm coming out with another book now, and I've just been working on this. So this is this is something recently. So anyway, but just to kind of wrap up that last bit. So. There is this thing. It's like I, I have a lot of people talking smack to me online and being like, you can't prove this stuff. I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> what is your explanation for this fact that I started keeping a dream journal and then three or four things in this dream journal in just the course of a year ended up coming true? And again, it's you have to look at the details of this, like this dream that I had about my company going down. Like, I don't like I don't know how else you can interpret this kind of stuff, this idea that I'm going to have my own kind of art space, even though, you know, and the fact that these things ended up happening, and I pub- posted them publicly first. You can you can prove that you know it's it, it's kind of hard to argue with and so uh, and 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 it, it keeps going. I have more examples like this happened a couple times since, and I'm gonna have to write about it. One in particular, like I was told that I should start writing about politics in like March of 2016. You know, when I was still just a Bernie Sanders supporter, and I always avoid writing about politics. But you know, I I had no idea what was going to happen happen, and you know, so a year later, like I think three of the last most popular articles I've written were about politics, which is a, a topic that I never you know wrote about before. But um. So yes, the idea that I've, I've actually, you know, I, it's funny that there's this idea of a magic trick and now I've actually done magic tricks where there, I have these crazy synchronicities, synchronicities that I can prove and I can prove that my dreams predicted the future. So, you know, that's, it's, I, I never thought that I would be performing magic tricks, but essentially I have where there, there are actually these things that it's like, well, my internal states of consciousness do seem to be tied to the external world in a way that I, I don't, I don't know what you're explaining. And like, I don't know how you explain that that's just random chance, you know, especially when it's a person who's engaging in this mysticism and, 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 and refer to, you know, the, the potentiality of the human imagination. So, but okay, you want to go weird. Uh, we can talk about, um, um, trying to summon a, a demon. Cause this is uh, something that I also did in, in the year 2015. I've never done this before, but spirit medium, like, this is sort of what I'm being told to do. It's like, hey, you're supposed to summon, and it was a very specific demon uh, named Enlil. Uh, so I had never done this. So I did a psilocybin. Are you talking wish. about the uh, ancient Babylonian god? Yes, yes, yes. I have been shown that I was connected to this Babylonian god somehow, right? And, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right, right. So, and, and, and so it was pretty clear. And it was funny that in putting together, uh, you know, uh, transmissions for out of time, I realized, you know, there's a pretty consistent message coming through here, which is that you're supposed to be using your ties to whatever this entity is to, you know, kind of help elevate the consciousness of the species to, you know, aid your magic. You're supposed to be using these ties. Like these are abilities that you have. And so I'd never done it, you know, until, uh, 2015 and it was a two, three, 2015 where I did this mushroom ritual. Uh, and, uh, this is, I actually just had gotten laid off and got these retention bonuses. So it seemed like, you know, the, the perfect time. And so it was two, three, which by the way, I, I, I didn't realize until, uh, I'll bring this up later. So I do this mushroom ritual and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to like say, Hey, this entity, I'm going to summon you, you do my bidding. And so there's another thing. I made this movie called uh, the day I achieve contact, which you can watch most of on my YouTube channel. We're going to do a a final theatrical release of it. So the whole point to this uh, film, and this was the ritual that I was doing was designed around watching this film that I made. And it's a cut up film that kind of takes a lot of my art and cuts it up with a soundtrack that we made. And and it's based on kind of the principles of cut up magic that when you put together cut up art that something else can like what, what Burroughs and say Geisen were referring to as a third mind, that something else can take control of the scene and help 
assemble this thing in a way. And, and it absolutely happened. We made, we, we started off this project to just kind of make, uh, uh, just, you know, weird stuff to look at when we were playing live, like a lot of other bands do. And it turned into this 38 minute film that actually tells the story of this kind of sorcerer and cycles of karma and his relationships with women, which is something we were, weren't even trying to do essentially. And it just kind of embedded itself. So this ritual that I was doing was designed, you know, it was kind of like, Hey, I'm going to summon this. And part of it was watching this film on mushrooms, which I'd never watched. I'd watched it when I was high, but I'd never watched it on mushrooms. So something happened to me when I was on mushrooms that has never, like I've done mushrooms before. This has never happened. And so while I was watching this film uh, on mushrooms, the entire uh, my entire surrounding area, like or surrounding me, uh, suddenly turned into a cave. Like all of a sudden, and it's like I didn't want to look back at. No, and no, I swear this has been like this is so abnormal for my halluc- like hallucination. So as I'm watching this film, like all of a sudden I'm looking around me, and all of a sudden I'm in a cave, and I can see it out of my peripheral vision. I'm almost like too scared to look at it. And so, and I watched this. It was super trippy. I summoned this demon. Weirdly enough, uh, long story short, I had this other vision while doing it, where I was listening to some music I made, and uh, the the kind of whole wall receded and I saw this valley with uh, this uh, powerful kind of solar image uh, coming through into it. And it's just, again, something it would take me a while to get into, but the entire concept of the pentagram and that the microcosm and the macrocosm and that stars are actually living entities and that's sort of what you're aspiring to be, which has been hammered home in, in my subconscious. So so anyway, so I did this thing and I asked this, this demonic form of intelligence to, you know, hey, help me out. And um, then... <laughs> And so it, it works, but but in a really weird way. <laughs> so over the next couple of years, I mean, I, I got several multiple kind of visions and dreams and whatnot about this entity. And it's weird because this thing is ultimately you got the concept of your holy guardian angel and your holy guardian demon. And your holy guardian demon is kind of like it, it really it, it's a metaphorical for your mother and father and um in, in the real world, like mm. our, in, in this world, we have a mother and father. And, and essentially, that's what I was realizing. And that ultimately, this demonic form of intelligence is supposedly my spiritual father. And so everybody has basically a spiritual mother and father, which would be your holy guardian, angel or demon. And again, this goes right back to the magic. I had a trippy experience when I was reading the book of Abramel, and he's talking about all of this. And that was like one of the big reveals that I was going to do in my next book is like, and then this whole time I realized I was talking to this demon, you know, it wasn't my holy guardian angel. And it's like, well, you know, he actually says that right there, that you have a demon and an angel and you're talking to both. And, you know, it's this whole, again, these things permeate pop culture. And everybody knows the angel on one shoulder, the demon, the devil on one shoulder and that right, thing. And like, right, right. This is mm-hmm. actually a metaphorical, this mystical concept that everybody has a spiritual mother and a father and your guardian, you know, demonic form of intelligence is your father. So I summoned him and, you know, it, it was weird. It seemed like I, I, I've had continual visions and, and here's the level of communication because, you know, I've been talking to a demon and this is so weird too, because like this stuff goes so against the PC kind of culture that... I think everybody is sort of fed to believe. So I had a series of visions. I mean, even leading up to this, no, no, these are after this, that was basically indicating that there's a lot of people who are essentially from the spiritual perspective, spiritually dead. And they're kind of coursing with black energy and ultimately they're very much tied to the material reality. Um, and, and that's what, you know, demonic forms of intelligence are from what I've been shown is it's more, 
of this world. And so black magic is sort of more materialism in a way. So, and that's what's so weird is that we look at this, we live in a society that worships black magic essentially. And yet we're like, that's evil stuff. And yet this is what we are all involved with. Uh, you know, this is what our mainstream science with these communications technology, like this is black magic. It's all my way of saying it. it's like, it's not evil, but lots of visions basically just essentially showing me that, that, okay, back to the ancient aliens. Uh, first of all, this demon Enlil that I've, you know, summoned to communicate with, um, is, is right. You know, you guys are, I'm sure familiar with, you know, the Sumerian stuff and how Sumerian culture came out of nowhere. Um, right. Uh, and, and just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Right. And, and, oh, by the way, this demon Enlil is, there's a temple to him in ancient Sumeria. And I, I, I just started having like continual visions just sort of explaining to me that I think the one is the most profound that I can have was that years ago I had this, acid hallucination about what I recall call in my writing, the thousand eyed God within that is just this multi eyed, uh, entity. Um, and you know, so, and I've always kind of wondered the meaning of it. And I had this vision where I was kind of the other side of this multi eyed wall and what it was happening on the other side of this multi eyed wall is that it was like, I was at, you know, like a security camera room with security with like thousands of screens up. So it was like, I was kind of watching all of these different portals and each one of these portals was a passageway into the life of somebody that this demonic form of intelligence was controlling. And I was sitting here at the portal watching all these screens. And then they had an experience of like, I would look at one screen and say, okay, this screen needs attention right now. And so then I would fly into the screen. And when I did that, I would now possess this person. So now all of a sudden I, you know, like quantum leap shit, like now all of a sudden, uh, I'm controlling this other person and I take control of them for a period and I affect this one aspect of their life. Of course, they don't even know that this is going on. And then when that's when I'm zapped and I'm back and I'm now looking at the security camera eyeball portal screens again, and then I go into another person's life and control that. And, um, at a vision, um, and come back and also there was kind of like this black mist and, and was kind of showing to me that it was later explained that this mist that was kind of reverberating when I was going in and out of these people's bodies involved um, in, in involved depression and states of kind of despair and depression, which I'd actually experienced years before I read about my first book. I had this experience where I was told that I was channeling Satan and then the next, and that, Oh, by the way, I can do this kind of thing, but don't recommend this to other people. Cause like you can handle this, <laughs> you can handle this. This would destroy most other people. So like, don't tell, and I was even told like specific people, like don't tell this person or this person to try and do this kind of thing. And so I channeled Satan. And, and then the next day when I woke up after this, I was incredibly depressed and I just like hated the world, but it led me to have this conversation with my wife that, you know, needed to happen. So it was this lesson. And then, so years later, I'm seeing it from the other side, like here's, we're looking at a screen and this continues the, what this thing was showing me. Like there's this mystery of how society came out of nowhere and, and what it's been shown is that there's these things that we call, you know, uh, daemons or demonic forms of intelligence. And essentially these things can take control of thousands of people at once. Like I was told up to eight to 9,000 at once. And so like, I don't know how like accurate that is because numbers seem to get lost in translation. Um, but so there's essentially this idea that these demonic forms of intelligence are responsible. And this is what we communicated like Western society, like these, these entities made Western society, Western culture came into existence by these things, taking control of thousands of people at once and basically creating civilization by taking control of thousands of people simultaneously. And these things are still around today and influencing our society to this day. But this is where Western culture comes from, is from these dark, uh, daemonic entities. 
um, taking control of Western culture and or taking control of thousands of people at once to make people act in unison to kind of create the society that we know, um, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, it's th- th- those are some weird stories. And and also, wow, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, see, if you, you wanted weird, yeah, <laughs> that's that's wow. <laughs> so that's so that a con. Quick. That's a concept. Yeah, yeah, no. And it's also, there's this other thing where this is communicating to me specifically that there are these people that are really kind of materialistic and they're like so gauged in the reality. And a lot of these people are very successful. But from the spirit world's perspective, these people are just like black like material energy. They're not even, they, they're not like spiritual, like they're almost dead is like the way. And yet these are the people that are, you know, like running wall street and like, they're like cogs. And, and so again, this, this is like the thing that you, you have these visions and you're like, I like, you know, as somebody who's raised, you know, again, with this level of PC, this idea that like, I think they even said there was like a third of the population are essentially like these kind of like soulless robots or just, I mean, like, I don't well, know. That, you know, you, you, that's not too dissimilar from Malachi Martin's concept of perfect possession. Uh, I mean, that's, that. that's what you just, well, Malachi Martin had this, this concept of someone of perfect possession. In other words, someone is possessed by a demon so well that they are indistinguishable from the demon. Yeah. Like they don't even know they're possessed. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's kind of what it was it is that there's like, essentially there are pure people that don't really even have spirituality. They are essentially just, completely material entities, you know, uh, that they're essentially bound. And, and again, it's also the weird communication that often these people are very successful in life because they're very, you know, they're probably good at their jobs. They're probably very, and that was kind of it. It was communicated that these people are very meticulous. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so funny. This one particular uh, vision, I was kind of like, so these people are like superior to humans. And the answer was kind of like, no, those people are like essentially dead to us. <laughs> like they are in a way in like your culture. You're right. These are very effective people, but no, actually like these people are like, that's sort of like a lower life form <laughs> from our perspective. But, you know, and this is you're getting into lower levels of reality. And, and, and yet what I've been shown about, you know, kind of the spirit world and and that we are in a lower level of reality, you know, this is hell or purgatory. And, and the more you go lower to like even we're kind of like half spiritualities, half, you know, just pure animals. But then you got, you know, other like lower animals. And that's what we would more relate to hell. These existences that are just purely dominated by um uh, survival instinct. And, you know, and, and, and that's, what's so bizarre about humanity. I was talking about all these potentialities of the human imagination, and this is kind of like the God stuff, you know, and yet we, we're still so much half ape and we, so we, so don't acknowledge that about ourselves, how much we are still just basically animals who are bound by basic primal desires and instincts. And, and I think the goal of spirituality, and, but we need to, as a culture, better acknowledge that, our desire is to transcend that, you know, and it's like that we realize that that's what we want. We want to transcend these animal instincts. And yet there's, there's unfortunately not, not much of a push. There's, I think so much of a push to get people to adhere to these primal base instincts as a means to sell projects and to politically manipulate them, which is again, sort of what I've been shown. I I think I'm going to post this show and I'm going to get like 36,000 emails the next day. <laughs> Rob, Rob, Luke, was there anything that you guys wanted to add? No, just that I agree with you. We need a mission statement as, as, okay. as a species. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I made the jar where we're kind of like half, you know, what I talk about too, is like, 
we need to get rid of this idea of the science and the cold dead universe. It's a valuable way of thinking about things, but we're ignoring the fact that look at what, look at what has happened to humanity is like in the last hundred years or so, we have become so much more of an art centric species. Like we spend so much more of our time playing video games and like the stuff that we, our lifestyles didn't even exist. Like, I mean, there's now a gajillion TV shows and albums and, and God, video games are like so much bigger than they ever were. When even I was growing up, technology has changed so fast and, and we're not communicating with memes and, you know, and so we have become, so much more art centric. We've become, you know, half ape, half art. And we need to really think about like, what do we consider evil? We sort of consider this primal stuff evil, you know, and we need to, to really think about like, how do we better transcend this? How do we become all ape or all art, no ape rather than half ape, half art? Because I think the art part of us is, is accelerating at a part where the ape part of us is still like, Hey, you know, come back you know not not so fast and and you're absolutely right we need we need to really start conceptualizing this stuff better but anyways maybe that's what bigfoot is he's like the uh, <laughs> manifestation of our ape-like form <laughs> very possible I, I think we'll leave it there uh thad cool. tell everyone where they can contact you and also where they can get the book yeah, uh, the book is called Transmissions from Outside of Time, and it's on Amazon. Uh, if you look up my name, Thad McCracken, again, Transmissions Outside of Time, check it out. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, a kind of year in the life. Uh, not, it's basically a channeled book, year in the life of this knowledge and conversation with my holy guardian uh, alien. And yes, uh, the, the the stories that I told tonight, uh, definitely, it's it's just it's we- just as weird as you would think. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have published a book of a bunch of dreams if these dreams weren't incredibly weird. And in fact, I really haven't gotten back to the point where I've been having that level of dreams uh, since. So yeah, it's definitely a good book. And uh, you can check me out on Facebook, uh, Thad McCracken, uh, Thad Thaddeus dot McCracken is my uh, Facebook page. I'm on Twitter, Thad dot, or at Thad McCracken, at Thad underscore McCracken. And uh, also DMI TV on YouTube. And I swear I'll actually have a regular website one of these days, but now I'm on like every platform. But what's <laughs> <laughs> that? So. Yeah, uh, we have a website, but we got several as well. Well, thank you so much, Thad. Yeah. Stay on the line for us, guys. And sure. we'll close this section out. I'll get Spiranormal. <laughs> Alright guys, um I am kind of exhausted after that one. <laughs> As I knew I would be. What do you think? What did you think, Rob? Oh man, I love Thad. I love having him on. He's he's just one of those like you probably could have just like sat back and just let it roll for the uh-huh. whole interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would have yeah. totally taken charge yeah. and yeah. He's just he's great that way. No shortage of stories. There were those little there were those little pauses though that I knew I kinda had to step in. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and he said some <laughs> things that I was like I just wanted some clarification on. Like Oh, the, for sure. For the sure. Medium stuff and what that meant and uh you know, I had to get a good like demon conjuring story out of it for <laughs> sure. You know. Uh, what he said at the end there about the demons possessing 8,000 to 9,000 people at a time. That was, that was fascinating. 
and keyed back into some of the perfect possession stuff that we talked about about uh, with Malachi Martin. Yeah. What do you think, Luke? Dude. He he touches on some things that chew your food. I'm chewing. I'm chewing and talking <laughs> at the same time. I could do that, you know. He's efficient, Adam. We, I'm efficient. We talked about this. I'm working with efficiency. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, dude. Uh, sometimes when I'm just like at work and my mind, I like drift off, and I'm not even thinking about frying. Yeah, you're watching the fries. <laughs> you're drilling into the grease. No, uh, well, I mean, you know, my, my my mind is always elsewhere, and like like Thad brings up things that we all or at least me like I'll think about you know just in my spare time mundane chores throughout the day and I'm I think about all these things you know but I don't go as far as like writing a book you know writing notes down and stuff like that so you know uh there at the end he was talking about um like uh conflicting viewpoints uh, about like you know or the the devil and the angel on your shoulder and like Mm -hmm. the conflicting viewpoints like I, I feel like we all have like this, especially man, like has this beast inside him, you know, and, and uh, it comes out whenever you get drunk or you take psych- psychedelics or something like that. Like you can no longer tame it and control it, you know, and mm-hmm. it kind of uh, takes over you and you're no longer civilized, you know. <clears throat> and uh, Do you think that comes out in an aggressive way though with psychedelics or is it more of a... It depends on the person. Laid back kind of way. Depends on the person or what their, their current their current state whenever they do whatever it is that they're doing, whatever drug it is that they're doing, their current uh, mood state that they're in, it kind of like expounds on that. Yeah, more more often than not, though, I I think that it it kind of pushes people more into the spiritual and away from the physical, at least with most most psychedelics. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, other drugs, like obviously, you know, alcohol or, or whatever even even marijuana though tends to move people i think away from the primal and more towards the spiritual right hmm. some sometimes it can uh in my experience you know it, it could like accentuate like if you're in a bad mood and I, I would go to like you know get super high smoke several bowls you know and that bad mood would get even worse really yeah like it wouldn't calm you down as you know, one would think it would. Right, exactly. It just just made me angrier. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had bad trips for the same reason. Just in a, you know, not in a good environment, not in like yeah, a, you know, a, a positive space or whatever. And yeah, it can get ugly fast. I also like the that whole duality. That's very much like um, along the lines with a lot of the um, Celtic pagan stuff yeah. with you know yeah. the, the duality of nature and you know you got light versus dark and male and female and the god and the goddess and Right. It's it's just like for for me it's just there's always this conflict in my head. Yeah, I think as as in everybody, everybody has that like that whole duality there. Yeah. You know, we all have that, you know, the good and the bad and um I think it's just depend on how depends on how you balance it. Yeah. And and like many times throughout life I I, I keep finding myself being hypocritical. You know, I'll, I'll like preach something uh, in one year, you know, and, and then a couple of years later, I'm doing it. <laughs> or it just takes something, takes something simple like a style of music that I used to make fun of, or sure. something like that. And then a couple of years later, I'm listening to it and like jamming out to it. Or, you know, just we. Just, I don't I just know if that's it. necessarily hypocritical. It's more just like how you would change. Like hip- hypocrisy is more like you're you say something and then immediately go and do exactly uh, the well, opposite. Yeah, well, of I what guess I'm being contradictory do. then. Yeah. yeah, or maybe you're just developing <clears throat> as a person. 
You know, I don't know if that's necessarily hypocrisy. No, that's that's a good thing. But Luke, I do understand though that you uh, you, you started a little cause here uh, uh, locally. Yeah, I attempted to. I don't. <clears throat> so so you know, I've I've got all these hippie friends. <laughs> <laughs> What ones that vape and you know smoke vape, weed every dude. day, wake and bake. Oh, sup, bro? You know, and wear bright, colorful hats and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I figured that they would all be down for my cause. I, I called it "Clean Up Nashville." Simply, like I just wanted go to my favorite lake spots, and uh, you know, I'm I'm attached. This is my home. Like I'm attached to the nature areas around here. Sure. Uh, you you could find peace and serenity without having to drive like thirty minutes to an hour outside of Nashville to go, you know, walk some trails out in the country or something. Like the lake for me is that quick, like down the street getaway whenever you want some nature. And we have the greenways and stuff around here too. Right, and those are pretty clean actually. Everything around the and they're also regulated. Right. But um, I like to go to the spots that aren't. Especially during the summertime, we got overpopulation problem here in Nashville. You know, there's people everywhere. So I like to go to more private lake spots to hang out. And uh, they're trashed. There's trash everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I I put uh, that group together to hopefully get some people to come help me clean one of the trail, unregulated trails. And, and you got I, a lot <laughs> of response on Facebook. Yeah, everyone, oh, I'm down. You know, hit me up anytime. Let's do this. And... I'm the only one that ended up at the event. <laughs> That's too bad. I thought that was really cool. Like, I, you know, you did it at a day that I was working. Oh, but. yeah, and I think that's with most people, too. I don't think the hundred-something <laughs> people I invited are all just, like, lazy asses. <laughs> I think that they just had other, like, uh, you know, obligations for that day. I mean, it was a work day, so. Right, yeah, it was a Friday. And I think maybe you've done it on a weekend. But, you know, some people do like to just talk about stuff and not actually oh, yeah. take any action, not actually do anything. Hey, look at me, everybody else. I'm down for this. Right. <laughs> uh, guys, we'll leave you with this. Um, had some uh, feedback on the show. And this is from a rather new listener. And uh, he writes on our Facebook page, he writes, oh man, ha ha, I've been listening through some older shows from 2016 and then bouncing back to current when a new episode comes out. And I keep hearing you guys talk about Luke. And I'm like, who's this Luke guy they keep making fun of and saying <laughs> is missing? I'm jumping for, in jumping from old to new. I think I got through like 10 to 15 shows in a few weeks of listening before I finally heard the guy's voice. Seemed very fitting that on the show itself, it appeared you had some sort of mythical entity that rarely appears <laughs> <clears throat> i'm very mythical <laughs> legends will be told i love that and passed down about me for generations <laughs> it's fitting we have so we so so not only is he supposedly the co-host but he is also he's our mythical entity now that we have to appear and cousin lover <laughs> <laughs> well we won't go there <laughs> <laughs> off, off air conversation <laughs> but you are from Watertown but you know <laughs> Watertown <laughs> alright guys uh, Rob before we go tell everybody once again about Patreon we're going to make them sick of it <laughs> yeah we're uh, we have a growing Patreon community and we want to thank all of you guys who have signed up and if you haven't signed up you can go check it out at patreon.com slash conspiranormal 
there's different tiers where you can contribute and you know it's a sort of a you get a little extra you know you, you contribute to the show we give you a little extra we do bonus episodes there's you know there's a tier for t-shirts on there and you know lots of other little things that you can you can sign up for um go check it out uh, if you want to get involved if you just want to do a one-time donation you can do that through our website at conspiranormal.com uh, and all the other links are on the website as well so check it out and we're getting t-shirts we are getting t-shirts. just ordered them today actually so next time guys we have dr heiser Coming back on, real excited about that. This is continuing our, well, first of all, it's Easter coming up, and he, we're going to talk about his book, Reversing Herman. And wait, wait, we, I want to predict that we're going to have this amazing conversation about yes, Holy Blood, Holy Grail at the y- beginning. Yes, we were going to have this amazing conversation that um, take took place in the past, but you will hear it in the future. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. We talked a little bit about time travel movies too. <laughs> we did in the t- in this time travel episode. But you know, well, Micah Micah Hanks is the doctor, so you know he's the he's Doctor Who. But right. we're, we're he'll, just well, he'll explain it all to he us. He lent later. us the TARDIS for a little while, and we we went back in time. So, uh, guys, thank you for listening. Um, also, guys, um, Doctor with uh, having Doctor Heiser on, we're. We're gearing up for um, the conference in Roswell, Guy Malone's conference. You guys want to uh, check that out? We'll have stuff on the website about it and on the um, Podomatic. Um, and thank you guys so much. And we will be back next time on Conspiranormal. Cousin Love. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sit.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.